This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Victory Drive Podcast. Uh, This week, I'm going to keep the intro pretty short and sweet, just let you get right into the meat and potatoes of this awesome episode. Um, I do... Have to mention, obviously, you know, our great partners, Grizzly Coolers. If you guys want some money off, type in code WCB at checkout. You can go in there and check out their all-American made hard-sided coolers made right down the road in Decorah, Iowa. And um, give them a checkout if you guys are in the market for some coolers or any type of drinkware or anything of that nature. Just go ahead and Check them out and give them a look-see before you go with um, someone, some other cooler brand that's maybe not necessarily made in America or maybe doesn't have, maybe doesn't share all the values that you share because that's getting even more important in today's day and age with uh, just the, you know, hate to say it, the political atmosphere out there right now. There's a lot of people getting canceled, a lot of people are trying to buy Cool, like buy well, coolers, but buy products that are more, more or less mirror their morals and values. And I can tell you from personal experience, after talking with the guys at Grizzly Coolers, that they are our people. They are outdoorsmen, and they just love the outdoors. They love giving back to the community, and they make great products for for all of us. Um, so just give them a check, and when you're done shopping around on their website, type in the code WCB and get yourself some money off. All right. And on the episode here, we got Mike Hearn. Mike Hearn is a a really cool guy that you guys have probably heard of before. He does a lot of freelance writing for Free Range American, which I'm sure everyone knows the publication is like, it's like the outdoors, uh, I guess, not blog, but it's the outdoors like um, magazine type online magazine stuff. And uh, Mike Hearn's a freelance writer for them. He, does, he writes a lot, and he's got a lot of really cool articles on there. 
and I'll just go ahead and read just his description on that website. And it's on freerangeamerican.us, and it says Michael Hearn. He is a contributing writer for Coffee or Die, which now Free Range American. He is an airborne ranger currently serving on active duty in the U.S. Army. With a total of 33 months deployed to Afghanistan, his passion lies in backpack hunting and fly fishing. In the time not consumed by his military obligations, you'll find Michael somewhere in the outdoors with a fly rod or bow in hand and a pack on his back. His hunting exploits continue to take him to beautiful and interesting places, from the hills of Kentucky to the peaks of the Rocky Mountain West. He has been hosted on the podcast Becoming a Bow Hunter and East Meets East to West Hunting, and now he can add that in there that he's been on Victory Drive Podcast as well. So, Michael Hearn, if you're listening, you can go ahead and just update your bio on Free Range American and put us down there too. And, um, yeah, no, Michael Hearn, obviously, all jokes aside, he's a great, great fucking guy. He's been out there serving our country, busting his ass, deploying, jumping out of airplanes, airplanes, kicking in doors, doing whatever the fuck he's been doing while he's deployed. And we get into some of that stuff a little bit on the podcast, just his background, who he is, and all that good stuff. But um, we tended to focus more on the future and what he's been doing and what he's continuing to do and what he's going to be doing on the way out of the Army. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much about it. So I guess I, you know, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Oh, actually, I do have one more thing to say. Um, very recently, I'm sure you guys have all heard the Working Class Bowhunter podcast with Jake Powers from Mountain Ops. Well, guess what, ladies and gents? We have our own discount code now for you, all right? It is victory. So just when you guys go to Mountain Ops, check out their shit, and um, you're looking around, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I do need some more pre-workout, and I'm feeling a little rambunctious, or maybe I want some uh, Ignite or something to get spruced up in the mornings instead of drinking fucking energy drinks that are terrible and rot your soul out from inside of you. And you get some Ignite just to get you through the work day. Or maybe you're like, man, I don't think I'm quite getting the protein I need. I'm going to get a little uh, ammo, all right, a protein powder. Because you are working too hard and you just can't quite make it to get healthy meals on the go. So you get some ammo to get you through the day. Whatever you decide to get. They have all sorts of other shit out there on, on the website. And you go check them out. When you're getting ready to put in your credit card information and all that stuff you need to do to get the products that you have been desiring for for the last however many minutes it took you to get through the website, then you see on there, it says add in a little promo code there, you put in victory and you save yourself money. I just bought some shit today and it's, I'm really excited about it. I got some Yeti mode and it's like the big boy pre-workout. It's like 300 milligrams of caffeine and niacin to i think i'm pretty sure niacin is what makes you feel all scratchy and itchy and i like that i like getting all jazzed up like that in the mornings i work out 5 a.m most mornings when i'm not super duper tired or anything crazy which i don't know i even when i am super duper tired i try to go i try to go every morning sometimes it doesn't work out but if i have some badass pre-workout to look forward to in the mornings it makes it a little bit easier and i'm not cracking any 
energy drinks because it's late. I am actually cracking a nooner as we speak. My whistle's getting a little dry. But Mountain Ops, great supplements, great A people. Jake Powers on the episode with Rigan Class, he did a great job explaining what they're doing and all the conquer hunger stuff that uh, Mountain Ops is doing to give back. And it really is some pretty awesome stuff that they're doing. So great company, great people behind it. Um, when you check them out, type in code VICTORY and save yourself some money. I think it's about 20%. So save yourself some money there. Get your stuff. Get ready to go. Get healthy, all right, guys? We are only on this planet for so long, all right? So we want to be able to do what we love, like hunting, fishing, shooting shit, all that stuff. We want to be able to do it for a long, long time, right? And the only way we get to do that for a long, long time is if we keep ourselves healthy, and that starts today. Try and take a step in the right direction. Get a little bit healthier. Not saying you have to be fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jake Powers, but we can all do and make little changes to make ourselves a little bit healthier so we can have a little bit longer um, of a longer and more productive time on this floating rock that we call earth. All right. Cause whether we like to think about it or not, life is finite, all right? We are all going to die and we want to make it as much of make as much use of our time here on earth as we can. And so when we're laying in bed, you know, eating applesauce in a fucking nursing home somewhere and we can look back on these memories and be like, I did it. I did everything I wanted to do and I was healthy enough to do it. So that's my little spiel on that. I know I said I was going to keep it short, but it looks like we're still going to be rocking right around, you know, that eight minute mark. But hey, you know, it happens. Just need to put my little PSA out there and talk to you guys face-to-face, not really face-to-face, but if we're imagining, if we close our eyes and just imagine being face-to-face with each other right now in this moment, I want you all to be healthy and be around for a long time doing what you love to do. So, um, yeah, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Mike Kern's a great fucking guy. I think you guys will all enjoy it. And if you're not busy, check out what he's doing on um, Free Range American. He's got some really cool articles on there. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Mike Hearn, how are you doing, man? Good, brother. How are good. you? Very good, very good. I said it's Hearn, right? Not Herney or Herney. Yep, yeah, yeah. Okay. You nailed it. Nice. You nailed it. Years, years <laughs> in the army, though. I wouldn't have said. It. Well, I probably would have corrected you, but I'm used to people screwing it up too. Yeah, he's <laughs> silent. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I assumed, and I heard you on a Kafaro cast uh, a few years back and stuff too. So I, I thought I remembered his Hearn, not something silly like Herne, or maybe they just said it wrong the whole time too. But yeah, it's not French. <laughs> not it's French. Hearn, <laughs> Hearn the Hunter. There's a there's a whole fable 
around her and the hunter. I guess that's my family's lineage. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he was like a gamekeeper for uh, this English king way back in the day, somewhere like on Wales or uh, I think Wales. I think Wales is an island. I don't really know. I'm not. A, I'm not good at. Uh, yeah. What's the word? I don't even know what the word for it is. I guess. But yeah, he Wales, was a, for sure. But is it an island or is it part of the UK? Well, I think or is it like like Prince of Wales Island is an island. Well, either way. Yeah, um, Wales, I think, is part of the UK. Geography is the word I was looking for. I'm not good at geography. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, so he was the king's gamekeeper. And then um, one day he caught some poachers out poaching some of the king's game and they like hung him from a tree and a witch found him and revived him. It's a, it's a whole crazy, like druid slash like Welch stable. So Holy shit, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I need to look into that. Yeah. That's fucking way yeah. more badass. And my last name is just Johnson. I think it just, it's Norwegian for John's son or something. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking boring, but. Yeah, but awesome. I, I have to explain that to people every time. That's a, this is the first time I've ever even explained it. So, <laughs> yeah. well, it makes sense. I mean, you but, like you're a big hunter, so I mean, it does make f- sense. Fits right yeah. in, and it's spelled properly too. So it's English folklore. Hern the Hunter is a ghost associated with Windsor Forest and the Great Park in the English county of Berkshire. So there it is. I just Google. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm gonna Google that later. That's pretty yeah, that's yeah. sweet. Go through yeah. the whole fable. That's kind of funny. This is like the I like to hear people's backgrounds and like especially name lineage. For some reason that really intrigues me. I had uh Darren DeBoer on the podcast uh, a while back. He is a competition shooter, shoots like a bunch of NRL hunter matches and shit like that. And he was going in about his last name. I think it stands for I think it means the boar or something like that. Which makes sense because nice. like the boor, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I could have fucked that all up. I probably should go back and listen to that podcast and make sure I got it right. Nah, <laughs> the listeners can go back and listen to. Yeah, it. yeah, right, right. That's right. their job. Yeah, fuck them. It'll be all right. <laughs> no, Darren's <laughs> Darren's a great guy. Uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. So what do you what do you do now? I know you're you're in the army, but uh, I guess how long have you been in the army? Where did that all start? I guess we'll start uh, with there. Yeah, I joined. Yeah, I joined the army straight out of high school. Uh, before I even turned eighteen, well, if I didn't graduate, I got in a lot of trouble in high school. So nice. I uh, I got out of town pretty quick. Um, the army is a good place most, to hide from, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Most. I mean, it's a pretty typical army story. So I was back in two thousand six. <laughs> so I've been in for seventeen years. Um, but yeah, so I got out of Dodge quick. And uh, never, I really haven't looked back since. It's been a, it's been a pretty good life. I got nice. three years till I retire, so I'm kind of burning the candle at both ends now in life because, like, I just took my uniform at the office, came home, and recording this podcast with you, and then I'm probably gonna work on some articles uh, for I write for Free Range American, which is Black Rifle Coffee Company's. Um, adventure hunting gear guns publication so uh, i'll probably i'll probably write until my brain doesn't work anymore which is 
probably already it's already at that point. So, um, but I'll write until the night until it's bedtime basically, and then get up in the morning and go do PT and go to work and do it all over again. That's badass, dude. That's awesome. Uh, so before before we get into that, I do so. Where'd you grow up in? Or grow I grew up, up in upstate upstate New York. Okay. So right around right around Corning area. I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Drum, but I'm like four hours south of Drum. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that makes sense. Did were you ever stationed in Drum? Uh no. I okay. avoided Drum like the plague because well, I grew up there. That makes sense. To get in. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. I would do the same thing if I was in your shoes. Okay, so yeah. Um, so you've been your job. I you're an infantryman, right? Yeah, I'm an infantryman by trade. Okay, but my current current job is I run the the, the NCO Academy at Fort Carson. So for for normal folks, it's basically a, a, when people get promoted in the army and to a rank where they're going to assume leadership responsibilities, uh, they have to go to a school to get some institutional training to kind of reset their azimuth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so it's just professional development. We teach them army leadership model, um, like army leadership characteristics. It's all leadership focused for for the army and kind of how the army wants, uh, how we want our leaders to be. So that's kind of, I, I run the, the first level of that leadership training, basically. So like WLC and stuff. Yeah. Is yeah. Like, BLC is BLC. what we call it now. Oh, geez. Yeah, the okay. basic leader course. So now it's the basic leader course, advanced leader course, senior leader course, and then master leader course for, for EAs because they oh, have yeah. to go. I think actually I, I knew that I'm fucking stupid, but, uh, no, because I, I, I went through. I think I was, I might have been one of the last people that went through WLC. Because we still call it WLC when I got uh, went through. Yeah. But I did it in when I was state, uh, de- quote unquote, d- deployed to Kuwait. We did a WLC there. That was pretty weird. Oh yeah, was it virtual or did they have a they sent an MCT over? No, they had a whole yeah they had an MCT out there and everything else, and nice. we did actual hands on training. All you know the whole shebang. I wouldn't say they sent the top quality trainers out to Kuwait to do it, but <laughs> they were yeah. they were all right. They're they're good dudes and did it. I don't know. It was just as a as a weird a weird deployment because I deployed to Afghanistan before before that. So I, I was in that National Guard for a little, for a little while, and that's when uh-huh. I was an infantryman. And I was in the Scout Sniper Platoon and deployed to Afghanistan. And came back. I'm like. Hell yes, I want to do this full time. I was still, I was still young. Yeah. When I came back from Afghanistan, I was only twenty years old. So I was like, I want to do this full time, dude. And went full time. Went to the, went back to the recruiter, army recruiter. Got a conditional release from the guard, and went active. But when I went back to, uh, damn, fuck, what the? Now I'm drawing a blank. Maps. Again. Yeah, maps. Holy shit. Uh, when when I went back to maps. Uh, I went to uh, talk to the career counselor there and infantry wasn't available anymore to prior service. So I had to change my job. So then what did you change to? Uh, field artillery, which nice. was, it was an unfortunate change, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. when when I walked in there, it was me and my brother and we walked in there and they're like, they're like, all right, yeah, we just want to stay infantry. Easy peasy. Send us to our duty station. He's like, nope, sorry, can't do it. It's not available. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like anything else you want? And we're like, 
yeah, so we went down the the list. We're like, okay, what about sixty eight whiskey or which is a medic, and then we went down and thirteen fox or as an FO, and all got denied for everything. And then we went went in and asked about combat engineers and all this other shit. And they're like, no, okay, well, I'll just I'll just tell you um, since you're never going to get there. We have what we have available to prior service right now is a uh, laundry specialist and a forty two alpha, which is like the office person, right? So yeah, my brother and I were like, no, we're not taking that. And we we're about ready to walk out. And he said, all right, just wait. Let me see what I can do. Wait outside for like 20 minutes. And he came back. He's like, all right, the closest thing we can get you is field artillery. So we took it. Recruiter, I feel like recruiters are snakes, man. I don't. Yeah. I was a drill sergeant, so I have no love for recruiters. But I feel like they're, they can get you whatever they want. But I think they get kudos if they're filling like critical positions. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to sell people on is like, hey, we need, right, well, we don't need field artillery as bad as 42 alphas, but we still need it. And these kids aren't going to sign up to be 42 alphas. So, right. yeah, recruiters are freaking, they're selling the dream. Yeah, they're a fucking joke. I I was they're pretty criminals. salty about that. And, and obviously he told us the same kind of thing because he's, or like, he's like, Excuse me. He's like, when you go, when you get out there, get through uh, AIT again, do your fucking little bit of time. When it comes up for reenlistment, you'll for sure be able to switch, just switch to infantry. Like, okay, whatever. Dude. Well, why? Yeah, but why couldn't you just join infantry? I know, right? See, they're, they're criminals. Criminals. Yeah, I think so. I fucking hate recruiters. If you're a recruiter out there listening, you're a fucking criminal. Yeah. <laughs> My brother was actually a recruiter for a little while, which is hilarious. Yeah, so he knows. He does know. He hates it. He got uh, DA Select for recruiting yeah and he's like he, well it was he he was field artillery though yep okay yep. i was gonna say if he's an infantry guy and it was in the last three to five years i could have been the one that da selected him oh but, yeah. <laughs> no this was been... my last oh sorry uh my last job before this i worked up at hrc so i uh oh you did recruiting da selecting recruiters was part of my gig yeah i worked at infantry branch i was the um the SAR first class branch manager up there for all the infantry sevens. No shit. When uh, when did you get into that job? Uh, twenty. Let's see, twenty like end of twenty seventeen, going into twenty eighteen. Dude, I probably talked to you. I was talking to the infantry branch all the fucking time because before I got out, I was um, talking to infantry branch quite a bit. I'm like, hey, is there any way I can do this thing? And what fucked me is that, like, the infantry branch was like, yeah, at the time, they're like, yeah, we can take you, you just have to get released from um, field artillery. But I couldn't get field artillery branch to let me go. Yeah. Which was dumb. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, well, you know, so whoever I was talking to, I probably wasn't you, but you were probably in the office at the time when I was talking to talking to you guys quite a bit. And before that... yeah. He was like, definitely hey. could have been in there. Yeah. And before that, he's like, hey, if you get your Ranger tab, then you can definitely come back to the infantry. But I couldn't get a fucking Ranger slot. So it's really hard to get Ranger slots when you're field artillery and you're not a, an officer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, no, that's they cool. Definitely, they don't put a priority on it like we do. Like, we'll, we'll send guys uh, like TDY and Route to their next duty station to school. Oh yeah, 
So where all were Garcia pay for it? Uh-huh. Where all were you stationed at then? So I started my career at Fort Benning, obviously. Victory Drive, near and dear mm-hmm. to my heart. Name oh yeah, dude. Podcast. Um, <laughs> started my career there. Went to jump school there, and then I went to the one seventy third uh, in Vicenza, Italy. I was in one five zero three. Oh, nice. And then did in Afghan. I was there for as a single guy, you know, like eighteen to twenty years old. So it was a short two year tour for me. Um, Fifteen <laughs> months of that was Afghanistan. Jeez. And then I went to the eighty second. Uh, did. Right, four or five years there, two trips to Afghanistan with them, and then I got DA selected for drill sergeant. So I went back to Fort Benning, got the drive on Victory Drive a whole bunch, <laughs> um, and was a one station unit training drill sergeant for uh, infantrymen at Sand Hill. And then from Fort Benning, that's kind of where Fort Benning's kind of what rekindled my, my passion for the outdoors and my love for hunting. Because to that point, I was deployed like. You deploy, you come home, you reset shit, you start training for the next rip to go overseas. So there wasn't a ton of time to do stuff. And obviously, I wasn't going to be, uh, there's no hunting in Italy. And I was 18 and 20 years old, right? And alcohol, like the legal drinking age was irrelevant. So I was chasing women and, and trying to kill my liver. Yeah. Yeah, like, and so that was Italy. Fort Bragg was a lot of the same, right? North Carolina, like, Fort Bragg has some hunting, but it's not a great hunting program. So, um, but, and there's not, like, I, you just didn't see deer on the side of the road. Like, you just didn't see a lot of, a lot of things. It was like, man, I should try to hunt here, right? Like, nothing really inspired me to try to hunt there. When I got to Benning, that place is loaded with deer. You can hunt hmm. pigs all year round. And, you know, I, 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 I worked a pretty, I worked pretty long hours, but, um, even though they were long hours, it was a pretty set schedule. So I knew when I would be off, I knew when I could go out and their program for soldiers to be able to, to hunt on Fort Benning was just like, I haven't seen another army base that holds a candle to it. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of where I got back into hunting, but then after Benning, uh, and going like kind of head first into, into hunting. I was like, well, fuck, I want to kill an elk. Like, I mean, in my mind, the only way I can kill an elk is if I moved to, to Colorado and there's an army base out here in an infantry division, even though it's a leg, leg armored division and way outside of the, the airborne community, I was willing to sacrifice that to, to be in the mountains and, um, Fourth ID and Fort Carson was everything I thought it would be and mm-hmm. everything that I heard about uh, leaving the airborne community to go to a, a mechanized or a more a more mechanized force, right? Strikers and, and Bradleys. Yep. Um, so that was all true, but I fell in love with the mountains when I got out here. So, uh, and having the ability to elk hunt and, and all of that. So um, came out here, did a deployment to Kosovo. So I didn't get to elk hunt the first two, well, the first year and a half I was out here. And then after that deployment, came home and was able to take some leave in September and got out there and killed my first elk with a bow. Um, and then after my platoon side time was up, I couldn't take any more of the, uh, the madness in Neckland, if you will. <laughs> um, so it's weird. I called, I called, yeah, I called the ranger element at HRC and I was like, hey, man. 
I'm done with the entire time. It's time for me to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, well, he's like, I got, he's like, I was married at the time. And he's like, I have 4th Ranger Training Battalion at Fort Benning and 5th Ranger Training Battalion in Dahlonega available. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me talk to the wife. Talk to the wife. We both decided Dahlonega would be badass. Um, called him back, told him I wanted Dahlonega. He's like, man, all I got left is 4th. So I'm going to have to send you the 4th. I was like, I was like, look, dude, I've already been a drill sergeant. Like, I don't want to go back to Benning and have to be an asshole 24-7. Because our eyes, the ranger instructors at 4th RTB, they're just, they're, they're switched on, right? They're, mm-hmm. in, they're in guys' asses 24-7. I don't want to do that. I already did that. I was a drill sergeant. I yeah. got to do that, that. That part of my life was over, right? You want to chill being a little bit. Sergeant. Yeah. I wanted to lay back and like coach teach and mentor. Like I wasn't afraid of the work, but I didn't. I just didn't want to have to be an asshole twenty four seven. Yeah, because when you so like, when I told him when you're in training like that, uh, you kind of have to be an asshole. I mean, especially as a drill yeah, sergeant, as, yeah, as a drill sergeant, you absolutely. especially really do need to be an asshole. But I mean, yeah, you got to be. But with Ranger School, right? Like the bending phase. That's like that's like. That's like freaking, you know, like red phase of basic training, right? Oh, Those yeah. guys are constantly in your ass. You're constantly getting smoked up. Like, they're they're constantly screwing you up, and they're getting you set up for the rest of the rest of the course, right? But mm-hmm. then when you get up to Delonica, um, the RIs are a little bit more. I mean, they're still assholes, but they're a lot more laid back. There's a lot more teaching and coaching and mentoring that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're already getting your ass kicked by not sleeping and not eating, right? So um, so I just didn't want to do that. So I told him that, and he was like, all right, well, I'll tell you what, your paper looks good. What do you think about working up here at HRC? And I was like, well, what is working up there? He's like, it's the best job you ever have. He's like, nine to five, you're only responsible for your job. You don't have any soldiers. Like, you have a lot more responsibility, but it's not responsibility for people. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I've never <laughs> had that in my, to that point, like 15 years or 14 or however long I was in the Army, well over 10 years. I'd right? never, never not been responsible for somebody else. So mm-hmm. went to HRC, spent three years there, um, and was the, the SAR first class branch manager for the infantry branch. Um, and while I was there, that's when I kind of got into writing because I had time. It was a, it was the first time in my career where I didn't have to think, well, what do my soldiers need? What does the team need? Like I was able to think about what Mike wanted, what Mike wanted to do. And I knew I was passionate about hunting and the outdoors and I wanted to get into the hunting industry. I just didn't know kind of how, right? Like I, I knew I didn't want to talk to my phone on Instagram or set a camera up and record myself doing opening boxes. Yeah. Like, look at this new pair of pants I got. I knew I didn't want to do that shit. I wanted to do something to move the needle uh, for myself and for potential, like, brand partners or whatever. So I started writing. And Black Black Rifle Coffee took me under their wing as a writer, and their, their editorial team taught me a shitload, and I'm forever indebted to them. Uh, but that's kind of how the writing thing started. And then so, when it was time to leave HRC. So uh, real quick. How did you yep. get into that, if you don't mind going just a little bit more in depth on how that even happened? Did you, like, just write them an email and say, what's uh, up, dude? So, purely right place, right time, and right people. Uh, oh, I sent my buddy, I sent a friend of mine, he was actually a guy I met 
uh, he was my ex-wife's boss when she worked at Fort Benning. Uh, and him and I became friends because we were infantrymen and we liked to, we'd like to kill critters and, and hunt. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was writing, he, he was the only writer I really knew at the time. And he had a couple articles published by like American Rifleman, maybe one in Guns and Ammo. So he, he had done some writing. So I sent him an elk hunting article I wrote and I was like, Hey man, will you just look at this and tell me if it's worth a shit? Like, I don't know if it's good or bad. Like he, you're a writer. I, I have like no clue how any of this stuff works. I just sent him the article asking to look at it. He's like, I'll do you one better. I'll have my wife look at it. She's an editor. Like that's oh. what she did. That's her day job, right? Is, is editing. So uh, she edited for like the Gazette, the Columbus Gazette in Columbus, Georgia. So uh, he sent it to her. And at this time, I had no idea who she was an editor. She, she was an editor for Black Rifle Coffee's Coffee, or she is still currently an editor for Black Rifle Coffee's Coffee or Die magazine. So, oh, shit. So I sent her the, or he sent her my article, and I didn't hear anything for two months. It was like, <laughs> uh, I think it was like two months. And I was like, well, fuck, she probably just looked at this and was like, it's trash. <laughs> yeah, and then guy, like two months. This guy's yeah, dumb. <laughs> yep. Two months goes by and then she sends me an email. And she's like, Hey, so sorry. I haven't been able to give you feedback on your article, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line up front. I'm an editor for black rifle coffee and coffee or dime magazine. We want to publish this and pay you for it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought I was going to get an email back that said, quit while you're ahead. You stupid grunt. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, well, if you want to, if you like that one, I have one more I've written. I'd written two. I wrote like the, the every man's approach to, to DIY elk hunting, just kind of some, mm. some things I learned in, in a few short but successful elk hunting seasons. I read that and article a while back. So I wrote that one. That was my first one that I submitted. And then I, there was a hunting fitness article that I wrote. Um, I was like, well, I have this one too. And then I just kind of went from there. I just kept, kept writing and, and they kept publishing my work. And then um, now, obviously, it's it's changed a little bit because Black Rifle has significantly stepped up their game since those days and brought on a phenomenal team just on the editorial side. So they got guys like Mike Shea, uh, who's now the vice president of publishing, but and Dave McCarr. Uh, but they have like Free Range American, which is who I write for now. That's where all the hunting and outdoor and adventure stuff lives. And then Coffee or Dies, more current events military news uh more kind of black rifle coffee branded stuff outside of adventure and hunting and stuff but oh, um so that's how i got into it purely right place right time right i sent her that article when it was probably about the same time that matt best and evan hafer were starting to like be like oh yeah hunting like this is this is something we could be into or get into, right? So uh-huh. they were they were starting to fall in love with hunting, and and that's right when I sent her the article. Basically. Dude, so. that's that's a fucking badass story. I I love those stories because, yeah, it's a little bit of right place, right time kind of thing. But if you wouldn't have ever just sat down, started writing what you thought were good articles. And never took the shot and, you know, sent it out there, then you wouldn't yeah. be doing what you're doing today. So that's yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. Just, like if you have an idea and you want to do something, just fucking do it and yep. figure it out kind of deal and just try to just start throwing it out there and see what 
see what sticks kind of kind of thing because it's kind of like how i started this podcast like uh you know right, is the right place right time but at the same time when i met the guys met kurt and the boys it's like you know we just kind of hit it off and just kind of snowballed from there and it's amazing what uh what can happen if you just take a take a chance and just do something because i really sh- we weren't even planning on going to that nebraska show and it was kind of a on the whim kind of deal and we just went so i love hearing those stories those stories get me all yeah. jacked up that's awesome dude for sure a life's too short if you want to if you if there's something like if you're working a job you fucking hate and you're like man i really love to do this why not try, why not try to do it you know yeah you only got you only got one life to live so right and um, as far as we know you don't come talking back. about it yeah, yeah. So, so stop talking about it and go do it. That's that's right. I I fuck, I love that attitude. I really really do love that attitude. And um, you kind of hear from some people, some people, not a lot of people, but some people when they give people shit about you know doing something or especially if it's like online shit or what you're I don't know what. There's a little bit of jealousy sometimes when people see your articles being published by what's now a pretty pretty fucking prominent. Um, I guess online magazine, right? They don't have a physical yeah, magazine. Right? Yeah. Nope. Just nope. So online articles have saying when they see Mike, Mike Hearn pop up as, you know, author of this article, they're like, oh man, they probably look at your Instagram and like this fucking guy, he's, you know, maybe there's probably some people out there that get a little bit jealous, but it's like, man, you gotta, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You gotta grab life by the horns, dude, and fucking get after it. Yeah. And there, there's definitely like Cam Haynes calls them the must be nicers. You know, like the guys are like, must be nice. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of the, uh, they, they could do it too. Like I've got, I've got friends that, that give me the, the must be nice thing. And I'm like, Hey man, you can do it too. Like, yeah, it's but- not, I'm not, I'm not performing brain surgery or rocket <laughs> science. Like you could, you could absolutely do this, but you got to make some sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't, my fucking house has, gear all over it right now like you can't even see my dining room table because i'm looking at it right now there's camera there's half-built arrows there's all <laughs> a spotting scope a couple of magazines like there's gear all over because when i'm not traveling i'm i'm working for the army and when i'm not working for the army i'm at home like working to build the life that i want so mm-hmm. um, i make i make a significant amount of sacrifice and anybody can do it you just gotta do it That's right the thing you gotta start putting one foot in front of the other and executing. Yeah. And it starts now because you can't start yesterday, you know? So you got to start if you, if you have a goal, even if you, if it's just a thought, you know, just try it. And if it, what's the worst could happen, you know, like in your situation, what was the worst thing that could happen? If you send that article off, she, she sends you an email back, says, Hey, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're you're back to square one. You're back where where you started. But if you didn't take that chance, you'd probably be sitting here, sitting at home, fucking thinking, sitting on those articles that you have stowed away on a flash drive somewhere or something. You're like, man, that would have been pretty cool if I would have, you know, done something about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. No, that's awesome, dude. That's really cool. And so is that kind of yeah. Your setup. So when you get out of the army, is that kind of your plan? Is to get into full time uh, writing and just go for it? You know, the more the more that I write, the less I like it. Um, oh, 
so my my kind of plan my plans and trajectories kind of change it's it's one it's a backup plan for sure i'll probably still I'll always freelance for black rifle just because that's kind of where my loyalty lies those guys i owe them a lot they're the they brought me up in the space. Um, so as long as they'll let me freelance for them, which I own a bunch of articles right now. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, but life has gotten, life has gotten busy this year for me. Um, I'm sure they're listening to this podcast but, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah they better be. <laughs> yeah. If they're not, they're fucked up. Then I'm not sorry. Um, but, but, uh, I think the more that I kind of dive into the hunting world, and the outdoor space, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I like, I kind of like the the marketing aspect. I I picked up a camera because of writing because I quickly realized even if my words suck, um, even if my words aren't great, they can editors can fix my words if I have really good photos. Oh yeah. So, um, well, what's the saying? Uh, pictures worth a thousand words. So you're starting off with a thousand words right there with a good photo. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so. I don't know what I'm going to do. I also uh, kind of my main side hustle, if you will, right now, uh, there's a new clothing company. They're not a new clothing company. They're new to the outdoor space. It's called Born Primitive Outdoor. Um, oh, yeah. It's a, it's a branch of, of Born Primitive, which makes quality athletic apparel. Uh, so Born Primitive Outdoor is started by my buddy Aaron Snyder in conjunction with, with Born Primitive and, and Bear Handling. Um, basically Aaron designed a bunch of outdoor clothing stuff that he thought was lacking in the outdoor space. Um, and the goal was to just design a little bit more simplified, really high quality technical material clothing, right? Like, cause you go on some of these clothing manufacturers websites and there's 30 different pairs of pants mm-hmm. and there's 20 tops and that's cool for some people that want to spend all that money, but, we want people to, to outside of all that as well, it's all solids, right? So we want people to be able to use our pants or our shirts or whatever we're, we're selling for more than a couple of weeks out of the year in September or October mm-hmm. or November. We want them to be able to wear our pants to the bar if they want to go out to the bar and not look like a nerd in casual camel, <laughs> right? right? So, so, um, so Aaron, Aaron started that and, and, this year, I like this just a few months ago. I was like, "Hey, man, who's running your social media?" Because I want to learn more about marketing. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to learn all the things I can before I make my exit from the army. Because I want to add value. I, I want to have tools in my tool bag to add value. So I've got some writing experience, right? So there's one tool in my tool bag. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Aaron who was managing his social media, and he's like, "Well, I am, and I'm not doing the best job at it." And I was like, "Well, why don't you hire me to do that?" So, um. For the last three or four months, I've been running the Born Primitive Outdoors Instagram page and then doing all of their uh, email marketing copy. So if they send out an email about a new product uh, that's within the outdoor line, there's a, a good chance that, that I type that copy that's in the email. No, no shit. I get those emails. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, that, that is one thing I really like about Born Primitive uh their outdoor clothing especially is that it is very very simple because when i first got back into hunting i started looking in, into gear you know and i stumbled upon sick i'm like i don't know what all these fucking words and names for pants that yeah there's like f- 30 different pairs of pants and everything else and 
not, you know, I'm not saying that they make bad shit because they don't. It's they're expensive no, yeah. and they're high quality stuff. But you know, I was just like, man, can't someone just make a simple, you know, light, medium, heavy set and then yep, just go from there? Exactly. Like, I don't need all the exactly. all the extra crazy shit. Just make a light, light, medium, heavy, and make it whatever pattern. Because in my opinion. I don't think ungulates are the best at seeing besides pronghorn, but they're just really good at picking up movement more than anything. So like solids, yep. honestly, I, I, I really do enjoy uh, using solids just because of that simple fact that you just stated. It's like I can wear them out and about and not look like a fucking dork. So yes, total archery challenge. I'm getting ready to go to my third one this year. Cause born primitive will have a booth set up in Utah. Those guys, God bless their souls. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they're, they're out there to kill those phone targets. I tell you what, yeah. they are head to toe in oh, their camo. Yeah, and uh, dude, I have a hard time not making jokes because I do make jokes. Oh, dude, there's with some my friends. There, yeah. yeah, there's some guys at, at the, the. So working class bow hunter, they do a, a 3D shoot every year. Just a, a good little get together for all the listeners to come hang out with all the guys and shoot some targets and have a good time. Then we have an after party and all that stuff afterwards. But there's some guys that show up in fucking Sitka and stuff. I'm like, dude, they're not going to run from you. They're foam. Yeah. They're not so. going anywhere. They're staked <laughs> into the ground boys. Yeah. You they're can staked shoot into the ground. <laughs> they ain't moving, dude. It's gotta be the easiest <laughs> shot you can never ha- ask <laughs> for. So you're good. <laughs> it's yeah. It's so it's It's funny. And I get it. Guys want to test their gear on the mountain, right? Oh yeah. A two hundred dollar pair of pants from sit there two year or whatever. Right. Then they sure. want to test it on the mountain. So yeah. I to- I totally get it, but I completely get it. But I will not not make fun of you for <laughs> doing it. So well, I feel so, that, that's just kind of the the military in you too, because that that's gotten me, yeah that's gotten me in trouble a lot. Um, I've you know talk some shit to people that I'm just I'm just doing it in jest. I'm like, hey, we're all having a good time here, and then they take offense to it and they're like what the fuck what the fuck dude like yeah, why are you talking yeah. shit I'm like i don't know because it's funny and then i have to double down i'm not gonna like because once they get bucky then i'm like well now i have to you're making this serious now so now i have to keep going <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, absolutely like you're getting mad at me for you're the one wearing fucking this <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it's not my fault don't yeah, wear a do camo nerd yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you fuck man no that's it's, fucking, it's that's hilarious i love it <laughs> It's a good time, though. I think it's a good time. Like I don't know, you, especially in the infantry and in combat arms in general. It's like you sit around, you have a lot of downtime. A lot of times, mm-hmm. it's not like the movies where you're, you know, constantly out running, gun, and doing all sorts of shit. There's a lot of time spent in the fucking motor pool. A lot of time spent back in the, you know, company, company areas, and uh, just sitting around waiting for final formation. And what are you doing the whole yep. time? You're just sitting there talking shit. Because there's nothing else yep, to do. I always, <laughs> I always tell people there's a, there's an escalation for board infantrymen, right? And it starts with some shit talking, and then it usually like turn. There's somehow there's always throwing throwing rocks. Somehow, oh yeah, becomes involved. Like, oh yeah, throwing rocks in a helmet, throwing rocks at each other, <laughs> throwing rocks in the air, and everyone stands around and sees who it fucking hits or who's a bigger pussy or not, and runs <laughs> off. Uh, but somehow it always goes to throwing rocks, then some sort of fighting or wrestling, and then some sort of completely homosexual activity. <laughs> like, there 
there will be like that's that's the the highest level of aborted treatment is gay chicken, like booty tickles, nut taps. Fucking, I've seen dudes tase. I've seen guys tase their nuts off some deployments. Oh fuck! Like I've seen I've seen some outrageous shit. So that's the that's for for everyone that needed to know that you're welcome. That's a critical piece of information yeah, that is. you can only get here on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> I say that shit all the time. Like, uh, I have some, uh, we'll just, I, there's some people in my hometown that when we came home from Afghanistan and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, you know, woo, fucking support the troops and everything like that. But I'm like, dude, if you knew what we did in our off time, you would have very little respect for me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's probably better that you don't, uh, know. Because there's some there's some people because I I live in a small town in Iowa a lot of very very conservative people like I'm pretty sure like ninety percent of them have only had missionary sex where it's like that's just who they are you know like that's <laughs> yep. it they sleep yep. in separate beds probably with their wife I don't know you know but there's some very cons- very uh, conservative minded people here which is it's good it's not a bad thing but it's just like man if you knew the amount of yeah like gay shit <laughs> we joked around with <laughs> while deployed and, yep. in training like, you would have very little respect for me so but thank you <laughs> i appreciate you thank, I thank you for your service like no no you don't you don't get it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> no it's funny though but, it's good times those are the times that i like to reflect on you know yeah that's what you miss when you leave for sure it is it for sure is i don't miss sweeping the motor pool and i don't miss doing fucking dumbass PMCSs on vehicles and, you know, sitting and like waiting for someone to tell you like, yeah, you can go home at, you know, 2100. It's like, ugh. yeah, I don't miss that stuff, but I do miss like the camaraderie and like the bullshit and, and all that aspect and not have really not having to like mince your words and not worry about really hurting anyone's feelings. Cause everyone that I was with, especially I'm sure the same with you, like they got it. And if you didn't get it, then you got weeded out pretty quickly. You got put in the fucking loser yeah. corner. So well, that's huge. It's funny. A, a friend of mine and I will bring us back to the hunting industry. A friend of mine and my uh, a friend of mine and I can't talk today. <laughs> uh, we're talking about that. Cause there's, we, there's some guys out there that are starting to get kind of notor gain some notoriety. And, um, like, pretty sure they've done some some like not so great things or really don't have good reason to have notoriety right like people are maybe they paid for their instagram followers or they don't really have any a ton of experience in the field or they're not a true subject matter expert but they're they're portraying themselves as one on the internet and and me and my my buddy's in the air force he uh he runs a guide service called black home guide service um He's in the Air Force, and that's his side hustle, right? He runs a guide service on the side, so he's a, he's a working son of a gun too. And it's funny we always talk about it because we're like, yeah, if someone does, if someone's doing something fucked up in the military, we just tell them they're fucked up. Yeah. And and tell other people that they're fucked up because they are fucked up. Oh, yeah. And and you can't you can't you do that in the the hunting world or the gun world or name a the horse world, you name an industry, you do that there and you're, you're a hater. Right. So, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, there's some, there's some people out there that are just 
haters, I guess. I hate using that word. Yeah, there are. Like, it's like, they're just douchebags, whatever. Like, they're not, I don't like giving them a label of being like a hater because then they can turn that around and use that against you. Like, oh, they hate me because I'm telling the truth. It's like, no, well, just hate you because you're a fucking yeah, douche. Yeah, there are. You know, but there are, there are some like legitimate haters out there, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a weird because I'm not I I still don't really consider myself like in the hunting industry or in the shooting industry type of thing. I'm just a I'm just a dude talking on a fucking microphone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's that's kind of where I I am. I, I try not to portray myself as a subject matter expert in a whole lot because you know I don't want someone being like, oh well, why'd you do this? Why, why aren't you? If you're a if you're a, if you're running a gun podcast, why aren't you like a grand master fucking champion in USPSA or something like that? I'm like, well, it's just not what I decided to decided to, to devote, you know, many, many years to perfecting per se, but I'm just, I'm really good at a lot of different things, but man, I don't know. Like you put yourself out there in, in the world, there's always going to be some people that say, Hey, you suck. And say, like, well, yeah, okay. absolutely. 100%. I know I suck, dude. All right, so you didn't got fucking tell me, you know? <laughs> yeah, just like one hundred percent. I don't know. I, I'm, I have the same kind of mindset that you do, where it's like, it's just, we only have one life, and if I want to spend, I want to spend my time in my life doing what I love to do, and I love doing this, and I love hunting, and I love shooting shit. So it's like that's why I want to do and devote my time, and it just so happened that I met the right people that decided to take a chance on me same as you take a chance on me and say, Hey, you know what? We think you'd be good at this. Like, come on board yeah. kind of thing. So it's really awesome. I guess I've met a lot of really cool people in the industry, quote unquote and stuff. And, you know, it's been a great time so far, but I've only been doing it for like not even a year yet. So it's like a lot of learning to do, but at the same time, I haven't, I haven't gained that so much notoriety that really have a whole lot of must be, must be nice people or haters per se. Yeah. They'll come. I'm sure they're out there. So I did want to ask when we were talking about that, does the must be nice thing, does that like bother you or bother people? No, not really. Um, I don't, I don't think I get it that much because I'm, I'm like, you. I'm not really anybody space. A lot of it. I hear it more from my friends than anything because I'm not a celebrity. Sure. Um, like some of my friends, and they don't they don't mean anything by it. They, I mean, they tell me like, hey, man, like I wish I could do that, and I'm like, man, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but yeah, I I don't think it hasn't bothered me yet. Right? Yeah. Like I, it's I always not kind of... worth my time, and and you know. I'll be honest, I went through a phase in this whole thing where where I was probably one of those fucking guys. Oh, yeah. And I'm not afraid to admit it, right? Like, I went through a phase where I was probably one of those fucking guys. One, I didn't know what I didn't know. And two, um, I think that was more, more so than anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand even... Even some of the guys that are, like, doing shit that I, like, don't necessarily agree with, like, buying followers and trying to get famous off freaking a follower number that is, is irrelevant because right. uh, they don't get the engagement. Like even those guys, I mean, they're still hustling. They're still working for it. They're still putting time and effort into it. So, um, 
So I'd be lying if I said that I never fucking talked shit or said that must be nice myself. You know? Oh yeah. I've just matured, I've matured since then and, and, and learned. And I've also put in the work to, to know like, Hey, I also, and I feel like at this point I have the ability to, to be like, yeah, that guy's probably not moving the needle for you company X, Y, or Z, because this is what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not, I, think, um, I, I, I do think that everyone definitely goes through that at least at some point in their life where they look at someone else and they're like, yeah, it must be fucking nice. You see a dude driving down the road in a, a fucking Ferrari. You're like, hell, dude, that must be nice. But I don't I don't look at it as like, yeah. like I don't, when I hear that, I've never heard that for myself personally, but I've seen it said to like some of my friends, like, oh, yeah, it must be nice to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, it is nice. Sick. You know, like it is, it is nice. Like it is nice doing these things. It is nice doing the things you want to do. It is nice figuring out a way to, um, you know, make, try, at least try to scrape up a living doing what you love to do. So you don't have to dread going to work every fucking day. And that yeah, is nice. those are nice. That is nice. Like it's not, a, it's definitely not a bad thing. It's a, it's a great thing, but it's when like with, when it, it comes like the talking shit thing. Like I've caught myself, like I've, I've talked shit about like cam hands quite a bit and it's not because like, Oh, it must be nice to be cam hands. It's like, you know, man, he's like 50 years old, something like that. And he's fucking jacked. I'm like, damn, must be nice to fucking work out all the time and put in hard work and run a billion miles a day and, you know, look super jacked at 50 something years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's always got his shirt off. So I'm like, fuck dude. God dang! Put a shirt right, on. But every make time me feel you, bad about myself. Every every time you see that guy, though, like all the must be nice people. Every time you see that guy, he's fucking working. Though. Oh, like, dude! And Cam, Cam is one that like I probably more than once have said must be nice, right? Like hunting the same Carlos or Desert yeah. and a, a fancy ranch. But you know what? He he's earned it, right? Like, if, and if that's what he wants to do, if that's how he wants to do it. He hasn't, Cam hasn't gotten a single thing he hasn't fucking worked his ass off for. That's the thing. And I think, made oops. significant sacrifice for it. Right. I think so, that was the thing that I heard. I don't know if it was Aaron Snyder that said it on his, one of his podcasts or something, but um, when I was kind of going through a phase of like, being like, you know, at least, at least mildly jealous of Cam Haynes, because yeah, he does get to hunt fucking super premium tags and units and all this shit, like, it's fucking sweet. And who wouldn't take that opportunity if it was presented to him? But, yeah, he grew up hunting, you know, Oregon, public land, fucking doing it like everyone else. And he worked his ass off to do something that he loved to do. And you, right, if you look at Cam Hens, if you're just hearing about him now and you look into his Instagram and all that stuff, you're seeing, like, the... What's... You're seeing the culmination of... God, I don't know, fucking 30, 40 years of working his fucking ass off to get to where he wants to yeah. be, you know, so. I mean, just in the last, he just quit his day job in the last two years. Right, so yeah. He worked, he worked for the utility company in his, in his hometown, right? Like, and still, he works for the utility company. He still, like, he cut his teeth kind of similar to me, uh, writing articles for, for hunting publications, but. Um, like he worked for the utility company, wrote articles and then carved out time off. Like obviously 
if Cam's going to elk hunt in September while he's working a full-time job, he's sacrificing vacation. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to Cancun with the wife and kids, right? Right. Like he's, he's making significant – he made a lot of sacrifices to get to where he is. He For sure. A lot of work. And then fucking running a marathon a day on top of that or half marathon, however far that crazy son of a bitch runs. Yeah. Um, he runs for fucking like, hard, dude. Yeah. And you see it every single day he's out there doing it. He hasn't he hasn't changed. The way he earns his income might have changed a little bit, but he's still he's still hustling. He's still working. Mm-hmm. So. You know what I'm, I'm most jealous about Cam Hands of is the fact that he actually enjoys running. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I fucking hate running. I wish I had that drive to be like, do you know what I want to do right now is go run and do this thing. Yeah. And actually, I, I don't know if he's out. It's hard for me to believe that anyone actually enjoys running. I think they just tell themselves the same lie for so long that they're, they just start believing it, you know? So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what works for me with a lot of things. So yeah, yeah. I've had to do that a bunch. Oh yeah. Especially on long runs. Oh dude, they fucking, especially on long runs. They tear you up. I was, I've never been a small guy. I've always, I'm like six, six foot two and I've always been well over 200 pounds. So it's like running has always been the bane of my existence. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not fun. It's not a big man sport for sure. No, it's not. No, it's not. But it's something, something you have to do when you're, especially in, when yeah. you're in the army. So, but no, uh, that's awesome, dude. Um, I'm, I did tell myself not too long ago that I'm just, I'm going to stop like, in my head, because a lot of times when I am talking shit about people like that, like Cam Hands, I would say 99.9% of the time it's in my head. Like, yeah. I don't even say it out loud, but I still feel bad about it. So I'm just like, I, I'm just going to stop, like, even internally um, being jealous or, quote, like, hating on people uh, that I don't know. Because I don't fucking know Cam Hands. Like, what what has he ever done to me to make me hate him? You know? Yep. Like, 100%. I, like, I don't know. I, I'm just... I'm gonna treat it. I'm gonna in my head. I want to make myself do this, where I just look at everyone with like as if they are my friend until they make me realize that they are douchebags. Then they give me a reason, and it's on them. Yeah. Then I don't feel bad about it. I can sleep sleep well at night knowing that uh, you know I have a clean conscience. That's a good way to be. I support that. I've been (laughs) trying to kind of do the same as I'm quote unquote growing up and. In the hunting space, especially, yeah, because it's easy to fall into that that negativity too. Like it's it's all too easy to be like, yeah, fuck Cam Haynes, man, that motherfucker, fucking giving away a truck. Like, what the fuck's he going to give away? Like, it's easy to fall into. Yeah, keep hammering, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like yeah, he made a slogan, dude. Cool, that's cool. Yeah. I, I can't make a slogan. I don't have one. So he's just a better version of all of us. I feel like. So yeah, good on him. But uh, I did want to. Talk, so you're are you you're predominantly a bow hunter then? Or is that what? Like, do you yeah, consider yourself a I, a bow hunter or what? I mean, I'm not hoity toity about it, but like, I love bow hunting. Bow hunting is is where my passion is. I'm starting to get back into the rifle game. Um, I uh, actually kind of started working with a rifle company. Must be nice. Oh, um, so. So I started working with Bagara Rifles. Oh so, yeah, and yeah, they're they're that that dude. team over there is freaking amazing. Fuck, that must be nice, dude. So, 
I can't even get Tony so they, Smotherman they, to get on my podcast. I called him on the phone and talked to him for a little bit, then I couldn't get a hold of him since then. Jeez, Tony, I might have to I'll see if I don't know if I have that kind of pull. But but yeah, so I started I started working with them. It was cool. It was like completely organic, right? Um, my good buddy Caleb Copeland owns a, a video production company called Copeland Creative, and um, he kind of linked me up with Bagar. They were out here doing their Bagar experience last year, and they needed a videographer to fill in, right? And this is tools for the oh, toolkit. There you go. I've got a camera and kind of know how to run it. Not the best, but I kind of know what I'm doing with it. So I went out there and filmed it because their their traditional camera guy, or their their normal camera guy, couldn't be there. Uh, so I went out and filmed it and got to hang out with the whole team all the way up to the the CEO here in the U S and, and like just got along with everybody really well. And they liked my work and then kind of started watching me on social media. And I saw that I could add value somehow, some way. So, um, pick me up this year. I'm going to write some blogs for them and, and do some, take some photos for them and, and shoot some raw video for them to use for, for advertising and stuff and, and just kind of go from there. But, that's um, fucking badass, dude. It's super cool and super cool. Yeah. I'm so excited for the opportunity. Congratulations, uh, but, dude. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, but bow hunting definitely is is where my my heart is, right? Like, um, and I like rifle hunting. The more I'm the, – I was in charge of sniper platoons. I was a platoon sergeant and was in a scout sniper platoon as a, as a staff sergeant. But the the more I got into bow hunting, yeah, the more I got into bow hunting, like, now I feel like when I go to my local gun store and hang out with those guys, I feel like I, I feel like a total noob, like, have no clue what I'm doing. Like, I know the fundamentals, right? But so much has changed. Like, I was just on the range tightening a rifle, and they're talking about chin, chin wells versus cheaper stock wells. And I'm like, what the hell is a chin well? Like... I've never even heard of that, right? So I've got, I've got, I've got lucky. I have a a, a pretty solid shooting community out here because I've been I'm relying heavily on them to kind of mentor me and show me the ropes. Um, getting back into the rifle game, but I rifle hunted last year was my first actual rifle hunt that I've done since I left Port Bennett. Well, I might I might be lying on that. I might have rifle hunted, but. And I had a good time. Like, it's it's fun. It extends my season. And that was when I started to, I kind of doubled down last year. I was like, you know what? I'm going to rifle hunt more this year because why I hate being out of, like, hunting now or not being able to hunt after after September's over, basically. My hunting mm-hmm. season's over if I'm only bow hunting. Um, so, well, and I, you're, uh, a big, you're a big elk hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. So, once a basically September's over. It's like, fuck dude, that's that. What do I do? So, um, yeah. And it's, I went on a rifle mule deer hunt last year and got my ass kicked and shot a baby. Uh, it was a (laughs) six point. And like this, I had to talk myself into shooting this deer, but it was a six point unit. I've been out there for three or four days and just could not find anything worth shooting. And so now that I got my ass kicked by that, I'm like, I'm I'm ready to get back out there and get some more. You know, that was in Colorado. Yep. Okay. Damn. Yeah, and Colorado's got some fucking mondo muleys too. 
somewhere. They do. It's not where you're at, I guess. Somewhere. <laughs> not where I was. So yeah, that's fucking sweet. But yeah, so so I'm starting to dive back into the the rifle game a little bit too, and it's fun. Like shooting, shooting's fun. Um, it is. So, it's a totally different kind of fun. I try to explain that. To yeah. Like, I try to explain that to my bow hunting buddies because I I feel like I did the exact same thing as you were. I don't know. I don't. I shouldn't say that because I don't know how you grew up with that. But I grew up hunting, but I grew up shooting a shit ton of guns. Not I shouldn't say a shit ton of different kind of guns, but shooting my guns a lot. So I got really good with my yep. shotgun because in Iowa at the time you could only use shotguns for deer hunting. So. I shot my shotgun a lot and I shot my 22 a lot and you know, my dad's handgun and stuff when we had, when he let me, whatever. Uh, I shot a lot of guns and growing up and then I joined the army and I obviously shot a lot more guns and got a lot more proficient that way. But yeah, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm much, I, I'm good at the fundamentals, but talking like ballistics and stuff with people, sometimes a lot of these motherfuckers know a lot more than I do about all that shit. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of fucking numbers, dude. But, uh, when it comes to like hunting specifically, when I got out of the army, my buddy back at home, he talked me into picking up a bow and going bow hunting with him. And I ended up using his bow because I didn't want to buy a bow. I, I did have a, like a Samick Sage recurve that I shot mm-hmm. in the garage and shit. But, uh, I used his compound my first deer season out, uh, during bow season. And I shot a really small buck, but man, I was like, holy fuck, that was wild. That was badass. So then I just went balls deep into bow hunting and archery and trying to learn everything I can about archery and all that shit. So I did kind of leave the guns at home for a while, I guess, because I was just so infatuated with archery and learning a new skill that it just kind of consumed me for a few years. And then starting this podcast back up and getting back into guns and like and shooting more shit with guns. And it's just like, it's just a different kind of fun where it's like bow hunting is very much a singular sport. Or if you're out elk hunting, you know, it could be a team sport, you know, with someone calling and everything yep. else. But back home in Iowa, bow hunting is a very, it's a one-man game. You know, you're up in a tree yeah, stand. Yeah, especially for whitetail. Whitetail is definitely yeah. a one-man game. So it's like it's cool in that aspect where you're out in the woods figuring out what the deer are doing and setting a stand. Or even if you hunt off the ground or trying to figure out where the deer are going to be and kind of waiting it out and playing that game that is a whole lot of fun and when it works out and you fucking send an arrow through the lungs of a deer or an elk or whatever you're hunting it's a different level of like excitement where you're super stoked and you're kind of by yourself and you're like hey this is you know i did this all on my own it's kind of sweet it's fucking super super rewarding in that aspect but when you're out gun hunting it's i feel like you it's a lot more fun like all the time you know what i mean does that make sense yeah yeah like, absolutely you don't got to be quite as quiet yeah somebody yeah you can be um, out there with a couple buddies and yeah you don't have to be as meticulous about scent control and yeah. stand location yeah no it's, right. i totally get it being able to extend your totally extend it. your range even out to you know 100 200 yards is pretty huge and it's like all right that's massive yeah it's pretty fucking big deal and then when you go out west and you're shooting with center fire rifles then you can extend your range out to you know however however far you're proficient at and however far that bullet is still you know effective at but uh, and that's yep. a whole whole new can of worms there but i just feel like it's two different things and i don't i never 
I try to stay away from like labels of what kind of hunter I am. I just like, I'm, I'm a hunter. I like to hunt. That's kind of yep, my, that's what I love to do. It's not my, it's not my personality. Like I don't build my Jacob Johnson isn't, you know, hunter period. It's like, I was a soldier. I was this, I was that I was a lot of different things, but hunting is definitely my passion. But I try to stay away from being like, I'm a bow hunter. Or because then if you pick up a gun, then you have all your bow hunting fanatics like, oh my gosh, I thought you were one of us, you fucking Looney Tune. It's like, well, yeah, I can still, yeah. I can still shoot a gun in bow hunt, right? So, and same with gun hunters too. Like my dad, I grew up. Um, my dad, I told my dad when I was really young, I want to get into bow hunting because I was watching Outdoor Channel and whatnot and seeing dudes shooting fucking mondo bucks with bow. I'm like, I want to do that. My dad's like, bow hunting's for felons. So I'm like, okay, I won't bow, I won't bow hunt. <laughs> That's fair point. They can't have guns, so they bow hunt. So I kind of grew up that mentality a little bit where I'm like, yeah, bow hunts for felons, fuck it. I won't. I'm just yeah. going to grab and my I, guns. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I didn't grow up bow hunting. I uh, didn't have the attention span for getting proficient with a bow until much later in life. Like, and hunting wasn't, hunting wasn't like a passion when I grew up either. It was... Like skip school on the first day of deer season, take the oldest Kabuck Buster twelve gauge out to the out to the deer stand, put a slug in a deer shoulder, and, and then back to normal life. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like uh, I wasn't meticulous or like, all right, I'm hunting this buck and killing a big one. You know, so it was just something that everybody did. Yeah, for sure. I, I killed uh, my last. The last buck I killed with a sh- during shotgun season in Iowa was uh, before I deployed to Afghanistan. I was in the it had to have been my senior year of high school, and I shot a hundred and thirty seven inch fucking buck, and I was like, hell yeah, that was fucking badass. That's but, a great deer. Yeah, it's awesome deer. I was super. It was the biggest deer of my life at the time, and actually, it was my biggest deer all the way up until fucking last bow season. I finally shot a. I finally broke okay. one, broke one forty by like two eights. It's awesome, but uh, yeah, I was about to say I don't think I've even broken that on a whitey. I got one good whitey that I'm proud of. Yeah, but I'm I, proud of all of them. But. but I also live in Iowa. That's where the, actually that's where the majority of my must be nice come from. Is when I say yeah, I live in Iowa. Like, Hell oh, yeah, yeah, man, must be, must be nice. nice. Yeah, and I can say yeah, with I full agree. confidence, yeah, it is. It is very nice living in Iowa. It's super nice. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking very nice. The winter is yeah. not so nice, but it is still nice. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the white where I live, the whitetail hunting isn't the best. Is you don't come to you know Mitchell County, Iowa for big whitetails. You go down in like southern Iowa or something like that. But there are some good deer around here, and I you know try my damnedest to find them. But no, it's just. I don't know. It's what was I going with that fucking story, dude? Oh yeah, yeah. That was the last time I shot a good whitetail with my like a whitetail buck with my shotgun, and that was completely by chance because I didn't I didn't grow up doing that either. You know, like naming bucks and having trail cams out. My dad, we grew up pushing deer. Did you guys grow up doing deer drives? No, not on the property. I hunted with my stepdad. Okay, so I grew up doing deer drives. Like my before season, my dad and I we'd go around to all the neighboring properties and just kind of start knocking on doors and it, it would always be yes. We'd have permission basically across our entire county. We just 
bomb around in the truck and jump out and fucking walk through the woods. I'd be setting up posting or, you know, if my dad was tired, then he'd post and I'd push and push through some fucking wood lots and see what comes running out. And if an ice buck ran out, then you shot at him. So it was hundred percent by chance, you know, it was just like running around trying to find a deer and that's how I grew up hunting. And then when I got into bow hunting, that was a totally different, totally different deal. That was a lot of guys that I grew up with did deer drives. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm super familiar with them, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. And then bow hunting is, it's a completely, it's just a completely different ball game. You got to be more intimate. Like my why for bow hunting, what it boils down to is after spending 33 months in Afghanistan pulling the trigger, like, shooting shooting a deer just didn't get the the like blood pumping and i wanted to extend my season right like in georgia and a lot of these a lot of the eastern states um you get your tags and then you just have to hunt you just have to hunt what using what weapon is in season at the time right it's not like oh out west or these yeah it's not like it's not managed the same as like i call it kind of like the tourist destination for hunters like out west iowa would be one for whitetail kansas um, like you buy your tags and and you're you're rocking and rolling right you use a bow during bow season and then if you're a muzzleloader guy you can bust a muzzleloader out once muzzleloader season opens and once rifle season opens you can hunt with a bow or you can grab your 30 out fixed and, and head out to the tree stand on the so, same tag yeah, yeah. No shit. Tags. So like, when you get like Georgia, Georgia, you don't even get tags. You get a harvest card. So in Georgia, you can kill ten doe and two buck. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Holy shit! They hate those. They got a, they got a big whitetail population. They're trying to thin the doe herd. So yeah, so you can kill <laughs> ten doe and two bucks, and then like. Kentucky was the same way I want. Yeah, Kentucky didn't get tagged. You got you got a harvest card or you had to call and tell or check your animal once you killed it. But in Kentucky, you can kill one buck and then like two doe. And then so whenever it's bow season, that's the only thing that's allowed to be in the woods, right? And then when muzzleloader opens, if you're a muzzleloader hunter, then you can put the bow away and grab the muzzleloader. When the gun season comes in, same thing. You put the gun away and... and yeah, or you can put the muzzleloader away and grab the rifle. So, so can you hunt with a bow the whole time, though, if you wanted to? Yeah, yeah, oh, really? most okay. states you can. I think Illinois is the only one that I know of that was weird like that. Illinois, I think, like when it's shotgun season, you have to use a shotgun. So Illinois used to be like that, but uh, a few years ago they passed it where you can use a bow on private land as long as you're wearing orange and you have a gun tag. Well, there you go. So, so that's how Illinois rolls. In yeah. Iowa, it's a it's um, during gun season. Uh, bows are not allowed out. It's guns only. And we have that's wild. Yeah, we have three weeks of gun season. So it's like October first starts bow season, um, and then that goes until December second, and then December third, first gun picks up. I think that those are the dates, something like that. It's like the, I think it's the first weekend of December and then gun season picks up and first gun season lasts a week. And then second gun season lasts approximately two weeks. And then after second gun season, 
then it goes to late season, which then you can, if you have an archery tag that was unfilled, you can pick your bow back up and hunt late season. And that goes until like January yeah. fucking 14th or something. Oh yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's um, weird how the different states work. It is. Every state's different. It's them rigging the role moving around the country and trying to hunt in different states. Oh yeah. I bet. I bet. It's, especially but, out in the Western states. I feel like the Western states have some of the weirdest rules. Cause like, yeah, they're definitely. Cause like even as a, even there. as a, even as a resident in a lot of Western states, you still have to draw certain units, right? Yep. Yep. So I explain that to people, um, this is how I explain it to people. So, like, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Utah, freaking New Mexico. Like, that's a tourist destination for hunters, right? It's like the Cancun for hunters. So they have to come up with a way. Like, Colorado probably is one of the, the wildest, right, because we have – we have an archery season, then it closes completely for a week and a half, two weeks, and then the first rifle season opens up, and that's four days long, and then it closes for another couple of weeks. Then we have second rifle, third rifle, fourth rifle. Um, so it, it's it's a lot to kind of digest, but the reason that they're doing it the way that they are is because it's not, they're not just managing, you know, us hunting on the back 40 of our property. They're managing hundreds of thousands of acres of, of national forest land that people are also out there recreating on, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're trying to reduce the, the pressure on the animals and they're, they're managing hundreds of thousands of people that come to this state every year because it has animals that you can't hunt in Iowa. Right. And it's got elk and mule deer and pronghorn. So they have to come up with a way to manage the masses and, and try to manage for the best, like, hunting experience. And I, I don't agree with, the, the, like, Colorado, I hate the way that we do it. Um, we probably treat non-residents the best out of any state, right? We have unlimited over-the-counter yeah. tags for, for archery elk, and, and um, I don't I don't agree with that for, for non-residents. I think, not, like, Wyoming... I think does a pretty dang good job. Um, they, they, uh, as a non-resident, you can only hunt Wyoming like every other year at best, right? Yep. Um, because you have to have points to hunt it. Um, as a resident? And, or are you saying non-resident? Or as a non-resident. Non-resident. Yep. Okay. As you a can... non-resident, you can only hunt it every other year. At Fuck, best. I, I thought their general, general tags were like four points now to draw. Yeah, so that's yeah, that, and that could be. I'm just yeah, stacking points away for hopefully one day I'll be a Wyoming resident. So right. then my points, my points will go a lot further. But then you go to Colorado, right? And you go into our over-the-counter units, and, and like, hey, I guarantee this, you, I will see more out-of-state license plates when I'm out hunting this elk season in the over-the-counter units because that's what I, I didn't draw the the unit I tried to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I will see more non-resident license plates or out-of-state license plates than Colorado license plates. Like, I will see 10 to 1. Yeah, for I sure. I think I counted them last year, and it was about 10 to 1. Um, but then you have to draw, even as a resident or a non-resident, for some 
some units that are they're a little bit better of a it's, you're going to get a little bit more of a quality hunt because they manage they manage the amount of people that are able to draw that unit so as a result there's more animals there's less hunter pressure there's less hunters um and so you're going to go in there like where aaron's been hunting the last couple of years uh aaron snyder from kafari where he's been hunting the last couple of years he uh he's killing like there's big bulls in there and those bulls bugle in a way that i've never i've never experienced until i went into that unit like they're just screaming all day long it's it's the craziest and most awesome thing I've ever experienced, but it's because it does. They don't have you know, three hundred people from Colorado, Minnesota, and and Wisconsin out there chasing them mm-hmm. and bugling at them. So, so they 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 try to manage units for a little bit of a of a better quality hunt and better quality animal too, right? You have the opportunity to potentially kill. A bigger animal, as mm-hmm. far as elk goes, like 300 plus, is is pretty easy out where where Aaron was. Um, but but yeah, so it's it's and then the rules are just crazy. Like up until last year, Colorado, you could only have 80 percent let off on your bow, so your bow had to be set to 80 percent let off, or you couldn't do it. And then like you go to a place does the maximum. Or, that was max, yeah. Yeah, if it, okay. yeah. If it was above eighty, if it was above eighty percent let off, you'd get the ticket. Huh? The game wouldn't tell you. Oh um, shit! The other around scales like a, and stuff. That's crazy. I I don't know how they did it. I never got stopped by one. My bow has always been on eighty, anyways. But mm-hmm. um, but then you like Idaho, I think, is the one that you couldn't. I think they're letting people use mechanical broadheads mm-hmm. as of last year or this year. And don't take this as the gospel people because I don't I don't know I've never hunted Idaho but uh, they they didn't let you use mechanical broadheads and they don't let you use lighted knocks. Yeah. So so I think they changed. I I think you're right. I think they did change that. But they changed one of them, but not the other. Oh, was that right? it? Okay. And, yeah, and I understand like some of those rules are put in place so that people aren't overly successful, right? Like that Garmin. Uh, that Garmin Zero bow sight. Oh yeah, that that thing you can't have that out here. Um, how do you feel, it, how it would, feel about that, that? Do you think that's a good or? Uh, I I do personally. Okay. Um, personally, I do. Right. Uh, yeah. I see the I see both sides of the argument. And I actually wrote an article on it. I see. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. See both sides of the argument. Right. Because in one hand, people are saying, "Yeah, you're making." more accurate, more ethical shots because you're wounding less animals, right? Sure. But the other hand is bow hunting, right? And you can't, in a lot of these western states, you can't crossbow hunt with a crossbow during Mm -hmm. archery season unless you're disabled. Mm -hmm. Um, Bow hunting, the fact that I can draw my bow, then range an animal, like that's going to increase success rates Sure, it's going to decrease animals getting wounded, but that's going to put success rates through the roof, right? Because yeah. that eliminates that eliminates two movements a hunter has to make, um, and potentially three, right? Because if you don't shoot on the first shot, right, if all a hunter has to do is worry about getting that bow back and he still get an accurate range, like if an animal spooks out and runs, that like 
Oh, that, yeah. that that eliminates a lot of that eliminates a lot of guesswork, and that's the argument for it too. Though is it takes the guesswork out, it makes you more accurate, all that stuff. But that's going to increase animals being harvested, and that's going to increase animals being harvested without people having to increase their skills. Well, that's right? the, that's and, the thing but, with it. Isn't isn't the whole flair with bow hunting is the fact that it's you know harder and tougher and more challenging? Yeah, yeah. So. I guess, Absolutely. Like that's the whole reason why bow hunters, like not all bow hunters, I'm saying this very generally, so don't fucking crucify me. But that's why some bow hunters like to poo poo on fucking gun hunters because like, ugh, how hard is it to get within three, four hundred yards of a fucking animal? Yeah. You know? It's like okay, well, if you want to use the, if you're a bow hunter and you're using the that Garmin range range fang sight, I feel like. You might as well just use a crossbow or, hey, and, and if their argument for it is like, yeah, well, it makes things more ethical, better chance of making a good shot, yada, yada, yada. Okay, cool. I get that. But why not just have well, – then don't bow hunt. Just That's have a gun season I... then. Tell the state, like, hey, yep. state, start um, hunting in August and have it be fucking guns the whole time. Yep. Like, no no hold barred. I on any, Have it be uh, any weapon season the entire season then. If you're talking about – ethics and quick humane kills then you might as well just have it be gun season the entire fucking time then couldn't agree more so that's kind of how i feel about the fucking garments and stuff because it's like man you're bow hunting because of either a you want the extra added challenge or b because you want to go go out and hunt during an earlier season typically during the rut for a lot of these animals and um generally less hunting pressure than gun season so if you want yep. to open it up and make it this thing where it's all inclusive during bow season then why why even fucking make it a bow season why even have an archery season if that's the case if you want to be more inclusive and allow crossbows and you know electronic sights and all that shit then you might as well just open it up open up the fuck pandora's box dude and let people go out there with whatever they want 100% agree. And I don't I don't think that. I firmly believe in the fact that, you know, archery is archery, but we need to, I think us as a community, we need to draw the lines in these different niche hunting groups and be like, you know, hey, range finding sites, a little too far. You can't, if you kill, if you kill uh, a Boone and Crockett sized animal, Boone and Crockett won't even recognize it if you use that site. Oh, really? Yeah. So get information there. Yeah, so say you go out there with a fucking Garmin, you shoot a four hundred and ninety-five inch bull, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's badass!" You won't even get put in the record book because you use the Garmin uh, rangefinding site. That is good information. I didn't know that. Good for Boone and Crockett. Yeah. So they put but that's, their... yeah, and that's the that's the the like, but that's the whole that's the whole argument, and then bow yeah. hunting gets even. The bow hunting community gets even more divided based on the type of bow you're shooting, right? Uh-huh. Nobody likes crossbow guys, which I'm in that pool. <laughs> um, nobody likes crossbow guys, and then and then the traditional bow hunters don't like the wheel bow hunters, right? Right, you got yeah. The traditional guys that don't like the wheel bow hunters. That so it's it's bow hunting is a very divided sport. Um, yeah. Nobody likes Cameron Haynes because he fucking <laughs> kills kills twenty big bulls a year on high dollar tags, and everyone's upset with him about having the money or having the sponsors to do it. So. 
You well, know? Yeah. And plus, like everyone. And Cam Hans can pull back a 95-pound bow and shoot out to fucking 190,000 yards with his bow. So it's like he's not even bow hunting anymore. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but so, uh, that, um, it, the hunting community is, a, is an interesting one because I don't feel like any other community is as uh, nitpicky. Yeah, I don't, and I haven't been in other communities, but I've talked to friends in like the horse world or oh. the, the <laughs> like the horse world or like the cowboy world or whatever. Um, I've talked to friends in like the gun world, and I can see exact same. The gun world is too. I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. I just don't know because I'm not really in it. I'm also talking to my ass on a lot of I'm stuff. Not so I'm not in it either. Yeah. I'm not in it either. I'm just telling you what people are telling me um, about it. And I'm like, and the hunting industry, like people are fucking kind of, kind of outrageous with this shit. Um, like, oh yeah, same thing in like the PRS shooting or NRL hunter world, like same thing. Oh yeah. So they, they put I think you just have that. At, well, guys. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a perfect <laughs> example. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you're just gonna have that in just about just probably big industries too. I bet you actors in Hollywood hate each other too. But um, like any small industry where someone's trying to be somebody, you're gonna have that's true. You're gonna have the the fucking civic measuring contest, or like, oh that guy, oh that dude killed a 350 inch bull, but he did it with a oh he shot it with a rifle though. Oh, not good. What a- or, has, and I mean, I think that as a, as a bow hunter, I'm like, that's a great bull. Would have been a lot cooler if you shot it with a bow, though. Oh, really? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not immune from it either. Um, Dude, like, I, I think it. I don't say it. I don't shit on anybody. Um, right. But, like, in your head, I like, still do Bleh. think. Well, no, I'm not even like, club. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, would have been a lot cooler if you killed that with a bow. I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I think you have that many of any of these kind of spaces that are quote unquote influencer heavy. I just feel like there's always some level of shit talking on somebody for something. Mm-hmm. I will say this a hundred percent. I don't give a fuck who you are. You can fight me on these words if you want. Bow hunting in a state like Iowa, it's a hell of a lot easier to shoot a nice buck during archery season in a state like Iowa than it is during gun season. A hundred percent. Really? Oh yeah. A hundred fucking thousand percent. And I know this because I've grown up in Iowa my whole life and I've been bow hunting it for, you know, a few years now. It is. I've seen so many more deer, like nice bucks during bow season. And it's just, it's, it's the time of year. It's the rut, you know? I, if you had, a, yep. if you're allowed to have a gun during the rut, it'd be the, it'd be different. You know, obviously it's easier to shoot things with guns than it is bows and range and all that shit. Right. I get it. But what I'm saying is the way that I was structured their seasons, I think is very smart where it's like the time of the year. That's just the hardest time to kill a deer. In my opinion is during gun season in Iowa is like that December time frame. It's fucking hard, 
you know, they're not rutting around as much anymore. You can catch some of that secondary rut action coming in and everything else. But, and then you add in the added pressure of all the gun hunters and stuff. And you add in the fact that Iowa doesn't have a whole lot of public land has very, very, very little public land and the majority of it's private land. So it's like deer don't really have to go far to realize that they're safe in a certain area. So it's really hard to get on deer during gun season, unless you own your own property and you manage it well and all those other factors and take a lot of those factors out. But for a public land guy in a state with very limited public land, it's a thousand times easier to find and shoot a nice deer during bow season. So that's just, yeah, I I can see that, that, and I think a lot of the, if you look at a lot of the states that have the, the majority of the like the big whitetail populations, they do a lot of similar. Um, they manage it similar. Yeah, they do. I uh, think. Like they they when it's high harvest opportunity, like the rut, uh, they'll kind of they'll they'll limit the the high harvest opportunity weapons. Right, which I think is great. I think it's smart. Yeah, it's like I I I love gun hunting. I, like like we were talking earlier. I found a new passion for gun hunting, but I also, I don't agree with gun hunting animals during their most vulnerable time in their life. You know, this doesn't seem like it's a smart thing to do unless it, I, I don't know. I guess mule deer during the rut might be a different story. Cause I've heard guys say like, yeah, rut, a rutting mule deer is actually like really fucking hard to kill because they're just constantly moving. Oh shit. Lost Mike. There he is. Hey, Mike. Hey there. Call drop. Oh, shit. I was going to say, I was fucking going. Running mule deer was the last thing you said. (laughs) I was going in, you know. I had a lot to say on that one. No, I'm just joking. I I guess I've I've heard the argument about running mule deer that uh, they're like super fucking hard to kill, but I've never tried killing a running mule deer, so I don't know. Hello? God damn it, Mike. The running mule deer, guys. That's what's making him drop the call. I think we just got to stop talking about rutting mule deer. Destroy everything! Destroy everything! Hello! Oh, shit. Yeah. I feel like... Okay, let's just uh, not talk about rutting mule deer anymore. Yeah, maybe the CIA is getting... Yeah. Maybe we're starting to share government secrets or something <laughs> you're not happy about. These guys are going going on a roll about something stupid. So but, well, yeah. Running mule deer, well I hunted running mule deer this year and I think it was a little bit post rut, but whatever. Um those things are a pain in the ass. Yeah, I heard they just don't stop. Like they, yeah. don't, oh. they just keep going. I couldn't find a big one. Yeah, that that too. So, that too. That makes sense. So I, w- I wonder right. if mule deer are the same as like whitetail, where they go into lock like lockdown and shit with those or whatnot, or if they're more like elk. Where I, they yeah, get herds. you know, I don't know enough about mule deer, um, but I will say that they do. The doe 
are pretty herded up. They were they were really herded up. I mean, I hunted them at the end of November out here, like around Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. The season, the tag I drew is actually during Thanksgiving. So, um, and they were definitely, they were definitely herded out. So I don't know if that had something to do with it or what, but That's interesting. I'm not a, I'm not a mule deer guy. I'm an elk guy. I love elk hunting is, is I've got a lot of, uh, I've got ADD a little bit. And so I like instant gratification. I remember when I lived <laughs> in Kentucky, when I lived in Kentucky and I would come out here for September to elk hunt. And then I, my first sit in the tree stand, I was happy to be in the tree stand kind of aside from getting like 70, 80 degrees and I'm sweating and getting <laughs> chewed up by mosquitoes. But I was happy to be in the tree stand to an extent Then I'm sitting in the tree stand. I'm like, man, I wish I could just rip a bugle right now and know if a big buck was going to come in this food plot, you know, because <laughs> elk hunting, I get into a base and I rip a bugle and I'm like, all right, either there's a bull in here or there's not. There's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of hoping. Right? I grew mm-hmm. up whitetail hunting, so I spent a lot of time, and I spent a lot of time second guessing myself. Like <laughs> I would jack jack up in the tree in my old Summit Viper, right on Fort Benning, and the sun would come up, and I'd be like, "Man, I should have been in that tree over there." <laughs> or like I, I start coming up with reasons to get out of the tree and move, and then or I'm not. I'm either doing that to myself in my head. Where I remember one of the biggest whitetail I've ever seen on the hoof, and ninety percent of my my hunting experience is on public land because that's what I've had access to. Um, I remember seeing a mo- I knew there was this huge buck in this specific area on Fort Benning, and I was up in a tree in kind of a, a choke point, if you will, like it was the only path to timber between these big fields. And lo and behold, I see that buck like come across on the top of the hill chasing a deer. And I'm like, man, I should set up up there, <laughs> um, you know? Yep. So with elk hunting, I don't, I don't, I don't have to play that mental game with myself. The worst thing I do with elk hunting is like, I'm like. God bless it. Lost Mike again, I think. Mike, you there? Son of a bitch. I don't know what's happening. Hey, dude. I for some reason, whenever I talk to people from Colorado, they seem to drop calls a lot. Well, I'm not driving or anything. I'm in my house on Wi Fi. House on Wi Fi. Oh, shit, dude. I'm going to leave my phone right there and stop moving it. Maybe it's, <laughs> it's been dropping calls weirdly. Huh. Uh, but, like, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason. That's weird. So I'm leaving it right there by the window. Oh, fuck. Maybe I'll just disconnect from the Wi Fi and go off a regular cell service. Are you like out in the boonies? No, Do you live out in the boonies or anything? No, I'm not even in the boonies. I'm in Colorado Springs. I'm in the city. Oh shit, dude! So yeah, I lived in Fountain. I don't know. There. Yeah, I'm just north of Fountain. I'm like just south of downtown. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. But nice area. Because last time I lived out here, I lived out in. Do you know where Lorson Ranch is? Uh, no. So if you were in Fountain and you took uh, Fontaine until you hit Mark Shuffle. They built a big neighborhood over there. I was out there. Oh, okay. it was super. 
it was nice. It was out in the middle of nowhere, kind of, uh-huh. but also kind of close to stuff. But you were kind of close. You're 30 minutes from anywhere, right? Like you're 30 minutes from downtown, about 20 minutes from base. Mm-hmm. And like I still had neighbors on top of me. And I was like, well, fuck. If I'm going to fucking live here, I either want to live somewhere where I can shoot my bow out to 60 yards in my yard or I want to be close to shit. So I couldn't right. find a place I could afford. I couldn't find a place I could afford like where I had some actual space. So I just picked this spot kind of in town in between the, the Air Force Base and the Army Base. Yep, yep. No, that makes sense. The only time I went up but, there was when, uh, I don't know, for like a dental visit or some shit. Went to the Air Force Base. Yeah. But, yep. Yeah. But I figured it'd be a good rental property. But anyways, mm-hmm. back to elk hunting. Yes. Um, I don't I don't remember where I left off. Oh. So the worst thing with elk hunting, right? Like the whitetail, you got, I don't know. I feel like most whitetail hunters do the same thing. You're constantly second guessing yourself. Like I do. You're the setup over here. Should I have gotten in this set versus this set? Like, am I in the right spot? Mm-hmm. The big one. Um you always feel like you're, hunting, you're out of it until you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't so. know. You don't know. Yep. Like there's no, you're just bored out of your mind until you're you yep. know, like, oh shit. And then you turn around and it's not a squirrel for once. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes you get fired up, turn around and it's like a possum or an armadillo. And I'm like, right. dang it. I got excited for nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, 90, but, 90% pull your hair out boredom and then like 10% fucking hell yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with, with elk hunting, the worst thing you got is like I just have found myself questioning my life choices like hiking back to like five miles away from the truck. It's pitch black out. It's like nine o'clock at night and you still got five miles to get back to the truck because you chased an animal <laughs> deep into the wilderness, right? And you're not on a trail and you're climbing over blowdown. And you're kind of miserable, and you know because you're that far out, you're going to get shitty sleep. Um, you're just like, yeah, this is what I do with my vacation time. Yeah. Yep. So there's there's pros and cons of both. Elk hunting's definitely it's a lot of type two fun. Like I'm happy when I'm in it. I'm like, man, this sucks. And then as soon as elk season's over, I'm like, man, is this September yet? I'm ready to get back out. Dude, I've been elk hunting twice. And I didn't, I didn't kill anything, but I went to Idaho like two years in a row. And at the time, uh-huh. Idaho had like really badass disabled veteran fucking tags available where they're basically uh, resident cost. So mm-hmm. that was badass. But now they. I think they still do that, don't they? Or they, they change it? They do, but they changed it where it's, uh, yes. it's no longer. Uh, it used to be unlimited for disabled veterans. Like, you know, as long as there's tags, yeah. as long as there's tags available, you could get it. Now they but limit, now you got to get in line with everybody else. Well, it's three hundred. They limited the disabled veteran, um, like discounted tags to three hundred tags. That's good information. Yeah. So fuck me. That sucks. So I guess I'm not hunting fucking Idaho anymore unless I want to um, wake up, at, set alarm at midnight when they open tag sales and start fucking buying tags for an over the counter unit. I mean, for three hundred bucks, it might be worth it. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be. I do really want to hunt Colorado really bad, though. Like, go back to fucking Colorado would be awesome. But I know it gets really heavily pressured. But I, when I went out to Idaho twice, it was a, the exact same thing. Yeah, it, that's just the way elk hunting is and hunting out west and stuff. It's a lot of type two fun. 
and I loved yeah. it. Like I, I don't know if it was the fact that it was kind of like, uh, I don't know if it was the army background where I just em- learned how to embrace the suck. I'm like, this is so much fun. Like it is so badass. I, I fucking, oh, that has a ton to do with it. Yeah. Like I just love going out West and suffering. And then hopefully, hopefully at the end of that suffering, you can come out with like, you know, an, an elk or something like that. I mean, oh my gosh. Someday that will happen. And I'm it's, super it's fun. It. The other thing, like the thing that the biggest thing that I tell people about elk hunting is like, there's a lot, there's a big learning curve, right? There's a lot of experience required to do it for a lot of people. Guys like you, a lot different. Like uh, my buddy, I got a buddy staying with me right now. Uh, he's a, he was a green beret in 10th group. And he's a sniper. He's done all kinds of badass shit. But him and I talk about it all the time, how we take our military experience for granted. Like, just the fact that we're comfortable living out of a backpack because that's what Uncle Sam paid us to do. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's not it's not difficult. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was like a – he shoots, I think, some kind of PRS, right? He's a PRS shooter. And he was talking about his first hunting trip with his – he him and his like brother in law or his brother, I can't remember exactly who, but anyways, they went on their first elk hunting trip last year and told me where they hunted and they were up at tree line at like twelve thousand feet. And he's like, Yeah, my rucksack was like a hundred and eight, like hundred and twenty pounds. I'm like, What the fuck did you care? <laughs> Holy shit. He's like, I brought clothes for every day. I'm like, Oh my god. I'm like, what? So like, but that, that stuff to us, we don't do that shit. Like, we bring food, water, a pair of underwear, and some socks. Yeah. Um, we take that. We That's second nature to people that have done it for a living in the military versus, you know, like someone like that guy who he's a fucking really experienced shooter. He's a badass. He's a badass human all the way around. Um, he's done some really cool shit in his life. But that experience, he just that he doesn't have that same experience. So he's yeah. Like, his mind didn't didn't go there like oh yeah I don't need a pair of pants for every day right? right I need I need one extra pair of socks and a change of underwear in case I shit myself yeah at least that's what I care yep. you can't trust a fart once you're thirty plus years old um, <laughs> yeah. so that's no, true <laughs> uh, so that's the whole reason I started wearing underwear <laughs> for being honest I shit myself in Afghanistan on a mission I had to wear poopy pants. Uh, yeah, I shit myself in Afghanistan too. The listeners are getting a lot out of this one. Yeah, uh, I shit myself in <laughs> Afghanistan. Had to wear poopy pants for another fucking week. Oh yeah, they didn't have anything else. And then I was like, man, if I if I start wearing underwear, then when I shit my pants, <laughs> I uh, I can just throw the underwear away and and put some new underwear on. Yeah, I wearing underwear. That's it. The story of why I started Dude, wearing underwear. I, Very relevant to Alpine. Oh, yeah. I, never, I I remember when I stopped wearing underwear in the Army, though. I was in basic training. I was wearing – because, you know, in basic training, you can't wear anything that Uncle Sam didn't give you. And they gave us some yeah. fucking nasty-ass oh, yeah, cotton fucking true. undies. And I wore them. And on my first ruck march, I was chafing so fucking bad that my thighs and my taint and balls were all just bleeding and I was like, fuck, dude. And I went to my drill sergeant. And I was like, drill sergeant, I think I need to go to a sick call. And he's like, for what? I'm like, I'm like bleeding really bad. And it hurts really fucking bad in my legs. And he's like, let me see. I'm like, you want to see where it's bleeding? 
He's like, yeah, like drop your pants. Let me let me let me see. I'm like, fuck, okay. In front of everybody, I just dropped trow and showed him. He's like, holy fuck. He's like, why are you wearing those underwear? I'm like, well, that's all they. That's all we're allowed to wear. He's like, just don't wear underwear, dumbass. I'm like, duly noted. So I stopped wearing underwear. Duly noted. Yeah. yeah. So I stopped wearing underwear, and it's awesome. But yeah, I I also shit my pants in Afghanistan once, and I really contemplated all my life decisions at that point. <laughs> so, It'll make you do that. Yeah. The lowest of lows. Yeah, because once once you you're a full grown man, you feel like you shouldn't be shitting your pants. But then when it happens, you're like, "Fuck, dude!" It'd be pretty sick to have some underwear right now. Like, look, I guess yeah. luckily I shit I shit my pants when I was uh, in bed. I had a dream and yeah. I woke up with shitty pants. I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I ate ate something weird with the <laughs> with the locals or something. So I just got out of bed and I was wearing my PT shorts. Thank God, I was wearing my PT shorts to bed that night, and I just fucking. Pulled them off, crumpled them up, and chucked them over the fence because we we're like right next to the. F- <laughs> we we're our hooch was like right next to the the fence, so I just chucked them over there and went back. And I well, I went to the bathroom and cleaned myself up a little bit, and then went back to bed. <laughs> Never told anybody about it till now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I told everybody. I'm like, dude, that's fucking weird. And my my squad leader, he had the a similar experience. He should he should pants when he's in bed once and two i'm like damn is this like an ongoing thing i don't know this is weird but the food so you get you get that local food and it just goes right through you sometimes it does go right through. yeah it's fucking our stomachs aren't built to handle some of that crazy goat meat and shit no dude not at all <laughs> but yeah for elk on the ads uh being in the army and doing missions and all that shit. It's like, especially being, you know, in a scout center platoon and going out there and setting up OPs and doing all that shit for, you know, however long at a time sometimes. And you just learn how to pack super light and take the essentials and be comfortable yeah. and be comfortable that way. So travel yeah. light, freeze at night. That's right. That, is, that happened yeah. a lot. <laughs> exactly it, man. But yeah. So, but yeah, like, the the other the like we were talking about before um, with Elkenny, like the ability to be able to call the animals and act with them that's that's really like on uh, outside of you know like you hit a grunt call you still don't know if the deer is going to come not a hundred percent certain something's going to show up um, like elk are just a little bit they're more vocal animals so you, you rip a bugle if an elk's out there and it's the right time of the year generally they're gonna they're gonna let you know they're there you just know you kind of have a better idea if you're gonna get into it that's that's the that's i just the whole interaction piece that's what i've been working in the last couple of years and that's really what my big draw to it is yeah for sure uh, elk hunting is it, it, it's a fucking blast i fucking love I I loved it when I was out there, and um, shit, you still there? Yeah. Okay, good. I was getting a call and I just ignored him, so uh, I just want to make sure I didn't hang up on you. But that's one thing I did love <clears throat> a lot about elk hunting is that the vocalization. Even if you're hunting in a pressured unit and they aren't super vocal, you can still catch them every once in a while bugling, and you're like, "Hell, oh, sick! Okay, they're over there somewhere." I just need to get there. Yeah. And that is a huge draw, in my opinion, to go elk hunting again. I, I, and the fact that I have a kind of a bone to pick. I haven't got, I went twice and I didn't get a, I didn't get an elk. 
And I really want to get one someday. So I need to get out there some more. Yeah, to keep going. That's the big thing is finding the time and committing. Yep, yep. That's tough. That's tough. I really want to get out to Colorado. Colorado has over-the-counter rifle tags for non-residents, right? Yep. They got second, third, and fourth rifle season. Yep. So I really want to get out there during rifle season someday and just see what that see what that season looks like in the elk woods, I guess. It's not like September bugling and all that stuff like you do get in the archery season, but I, I, I'd i go with archery, archery equipment too. Don't get me wrong, but I also kind of want to see what it's like in the in the mountains in, because I think it's in like October, November time frame. Yeah, second rifle will be late October, okay. early November. Be fucking good time. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. I think I'm going to try to get a cow tag this year. Oh, there you and go. Rifle hunt. Do a rifle cow hunt. So That'd be fun. I need to get some rifle hunts on the books. Yep. Yeah, especially with, you know, being with Bergar and stuff now, it'd be kind of it'd be pretty cool to lay a, yep. at least a cow down with a, with a rifle. Yeah, yep. it would be super cool. Yep. That'd be awesome, dude. And then, I do, I do have one. I've got. It's not going to be me hunting, but um, I have a fun hunt coming up in September, early September. My one of my good friends, Cody Covey. This guy has a horseshoe up his ass this year. He drew <laughs> the first first in July. I think it was July or no, not July. We're in July now. Uh, first in like Juneish. Well, I don't know. Dates are irrelevant. But he drew bighorn sheep. <laughs> So he drew a bighorn sheep tag, and oh, then shit. a couple weeks later, the moose draw came out, and he drew a pretty badass bull moose tag. No so, way. Um, yeah, all in the Holy same Holy fuck, so gonna, dude. Yeah. So I'm going to spend the the first couple of weeks of my season uh, following him around. I'm going to make him use the, the MG light, the Bagara, the 6.5 oh, yeah. PRC. I'm going to make him use that on the sheep tag. He was a little hesitant at first, but I think he's he's a diehard bow hunter. But oh, I think God. he's coming around to the idea of it now because he also has that moose tag. So he's going to bow hunt that moose tag. Oh, there you go. Yep. That's fucking badass, dude. That MG light looks pretty sick, too. It's, a, it's a really sick rifle. I've, I'm super stoked on it. I've looked, at, I've looked into them a few times. Uh, the MG light and the B14 crest squared, right? Is that what it's called? Yep. Squared crest or something like that. That gun looks fucking sick, too. Let me look at it. I think... Because the MG light, that doesn't come in, like, 301 mag or anything. Or 300 PRC or anything. That does it? I don't think it does. Uh, the MG light... I would have to look, to be honest. Yeah, for some reason. The MG light, I think it comes in a bigger caliber, but I could be wrong. Because I need... I just bought a thirty out six not too long ago, so is a it's a Ruger M seventy seven Hawkeye that I'm super excited about, <clears throat> and then eventually I'm gonna get that rebarreled at thirty five Whalen, and that's gonna be my deer gun. Nice, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty stoked about that. But I yeah, do... the MG the MG light comes in three hundred Win Mag. Oh, it, it does? doesn't come in the three hundred PRC though. Okay, but the B fourteen I think. Whatever I I I want uh three hundred either a three hundred Win Mag or a three hundred PRC real real bad. 
Somebody. I'll be honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want the MG light. Well, with a can and with that muzzle brake, it would be okay. But yeah. that thing, it's a light gun. So when you're shooting a light gun and a, a big bullet with a lot of powder, uh, <laughs> you definitely you feel all of that rifle. Right. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah. Um, so I got I got the MG light and six five PRC just because it's going to be a good like mule deer sheep like that's that's i think that's a really good round really good flat shooting round with a lot of mm-hmm. really a lot of energy at the target for those kind of mid-sized animals I, I, i'd fucking shoot an elk with it to be honest oh yeah not at like a thousand yards but people shoot elk with all the time and the yeah. P- and the prc has a decent about decent amount more powder behind it than the creedmoor does so you get yeah. i think yeah. with the prc you can get all the way up to like uh, like 150 something grain bullets for it, I think. If I'm not mistaken, or like close to that. Uh, one, uh, the ones I'm shooting right now are 147. Okay, 147. So close, yeah. Are those the, are 147. They're the precision yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, they're the match. Oh, match. I okay. Think. It's the Hornaday. I got the bullets right here. It's the Hornaday match. Okay. So, I mean, but 147 grain ELD. You gonna take those hunting though? They're, uh, I don't see why not. They've got, I mean, they're boat tail hollow points. With, yeah. With uh, they just put that that little ballistic plastic crap in there. Oh, do they? So they net, it, it is shooting. Flat, so. It is shooting the ELDX bullet then. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. I know yeah. if it was because I so. I. When I went to New Mexico for, I was on the Hunt Wars show, and we, I went hunting. Were you? Yeah. How yep. was that? Dude, it was fucking pretty sweet, actually. It was pretty cool. So I got I got drawn. I was on season two, and I went to New Mexico and hunted uh, pronghorn. And when I went down there, the other team, they were shooting um, match bullets, and I think... And I shouldn't say the other team because the the guy that I was competing against, he I think he sh- I think he killed his in the first shot or something, maybe the second shot or second I should say first or second hit because he missed a couple times beforehand. But mm-hmm. um, after the show was over, the his teammate he bought a tag too and he was able to hunt after the show got done, and so and Troy I think shot. He got another tag too, but they were shooting these match grade bullets, and they just did not fucking have that expand. devastating. Yeah, they didn't expand very well. I think they kind of how close? How close were they? They were pretty. Actually, I think the first guy was. I think he hit his two or three times. And uh, pronghorn aren't big. Like you shouldn't. Yeah, and he's shooting a six five PRC. Is either PRC or Creedmoor? I can't remember. He had like he had a fuck ton of guns. He was pretty. He's pretty well off. He had a bunch of Gunworks guns they brought with him, but uh, I think he was either shooting the Creedmoor or the PRC. But he was—I think he hit his at like four hundred something yards, and then another time at like three hundred something yards. So it was, like, it was like right in there, and he just didn't have very good results with that. And I shot mine with the Hornady Precision Hunter, which had, it had an ELDX bullet on it, though. That's what I was getting at. I guess if you're shooting the, it's the bullet that. Because the match game that they were shooting was not the, you know, it didn't have the 
whatever the, the fucking plastic tip, monoflex tip on it. It was just, yep. uh, it looked like a hollow point. Like it had a little bit of a hollowed point on it, but it was very much just a match grade bullet. And it just, yeah. it just didn't perform the way it should have, I, or the, the way that he expected it to. And I asked him about it. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be shooting those bullets at animals, dude. He's like, oh, no, I, I've, it, it's fine. It's good. I've done it before. I'm like, okay. And he, I think he shot his like two or three times before it actually died. But that's neither here nor I have seen, I work with a nonprofit that takes guys like Army guy, well, veterans hunting in Texas. We bring 15 vets into Texas every year and we give them, we hook them up with a 6.5 Creedmoor from Bagara. Um, and, and we take them deer hunting. And what I have seen, with a lot of those like ballistic tip bullets, especially on these fast shooting rifles, um, they they gotta lose some energy before they expand. Oh yeah, is what I've noticed. Because like we shoot these deer every year, and we use we've been it doesn't matter. We've used Black Hills. We've used I think we're using unknown munitions now, um, but they don't. If you're like a hundred yards and in, those bullets just—it's like a pencil going through. Yeah, it's just a laser beam. Yep, they're going really fast. Um, yeah. So I think they need to lose a little bit of muzzle, a little bit of muzzle velocity, a little bit of energy before they they expand. Because I yeah. killed, well, shit. Even I even shot. I shot an Axis gear and a, a friend of mine who's just got little forty acres low fence. Um, and I shot an axis in 75, 80 yards, uh, with a 26 nozzle that had the ballistic tip on it. And even that, like, just punched right through it, like, just hmm. a little, little pencil. So, no um, I think they, yeah, I think they gotta, they gotta get to, I think they need a little bit of range on to expand or a little less energy on them. They need a little more range. So the, the energy, the muscle velocity can die down a bit to get them to expand. Right. I think if that's you're, my theory, at least. Not yeah. What I don't know. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't know for sure. I guess I shot my my I shot my pronghorn in New Mexico. I shot him at seventy-seven yards, and mm-hmm. that was a fucking wild situation. There, you can, you have to. Is just a hairy is a is a shit situation that happened, but it ended up being really pretty fucking badass. But, uh, yeah, I ended up shooting hit, um, that pronghorn at 77 yards. And I was using the horn, uh, horny precision hunters and it has the ELDX monoflex tip, you know, bullets on there. Mm-hmm. And he was so close. I had my, uh, gun, my, I had my gun zeroed at 200 yards. So when he popped up, I'm like, fuck. So I ranged him at 17 yards. I was like, there's no, I don't know if I believe that. So I kind of sat up a little bit. And I got a couple more good ranges on him. Kept it coming up at 77 yards. I'm like, okay, there's that. So I aimed very bottom of his chest. And then I ended up hitting him in the base of the neck, basically. And it went through and fucking hit him in the spine and just dropped him in his, in his tracks. But right. that bullet, like, almost exploded inside of him. Oh, really? Yeah. I, it it did a shit ton of damage and that bullet did what Hornady, you know, presented because those ELDXs aren't the toughest bullets. I think, um, when they, sh- when they fully expand, they shed 
a decent amount of bullet weight off of them. I think they only retain, I don't know, probably don't quote me on this, but it's like, I think maybe they retain about 70 ish percent of their bullet, bullet weight after full expansion. So this might on that pronghorn. It did what is it did what it's supposed to do. Cause it, I found shards of fucking shrapnel all up in its neck all over the place. Cause it just like basically exploded on <laughs> inside of them is wild. But it fucking that is crazy. Yeah, but it, it and it did its job and it killed him in his tracks and dropped him in his spot. So I was like, hell yeah, nice. Went up on him and after we cleaned him up, I was like, holy fuck, this like it almost decapitated him, dude. Is wild. God dang, yeah, yeah. that's it, awesome. it was, that was on the Hunt Wars too. You can watch it. Yep, yep, yep. That was on the check that out. the Hunt Wars YouTube channel and his season season two is what I was on. Is the very first two episodes was the pronghorn matchup. Nice. But yeah, how, cool. uh, how does that work? Do they randomly select people or do they select them based off of backgrounds or what they're looking for? Uh, so it's random selection. So the way they do it is you, you can buy it. So it's kind of like a raffle. You can buy in as many times as you want, but each, each, um, I guess you want your, you can put your name in the hat as many times as you want, but it costs a hundred bucks per application yeah. so you can you can apply you know 10 10 times and have your name in the hat 10 different times and you can spend a grand for it if you want to um i i spent 100 bucks i was talking to my wife i was like hey this sounds pretty neat like, you, you mind if i give it a shot and she's like ah we spent 100 bucks on dumber shit so i put my name in the hat once and i yeah and i got drawn i'm like holy fuck that's crazy like all right uh, so got ready for that. And, uh, yeah, but then you do do, uh, an interview with Troy and, um, God damn. Lost him again. You got me. Hey dude. I don't know yeah. what the hell is happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're, um, you're good. I can edit a lot of this stuff out, or maybe I'll just leave it in. So it's kind of funny. You said, uh, <laughs> you, last thing I heard you say was, you asked the wife, she said, yes, yeah, spent a hundred bucks on dumber shit. And then, okay. You said, and then, and yep. then. Okay. So after, after you get drawn, they do a live drawing and shit. And after you get drawn, then, uh, you do do like a, an interview, like a, a Skype interview mm-hmm. with Troy and, some of the other guys and they just kind of ask you some basic questions, you know, like kind of just feel you out and see if you're going to be a huge douchebag or not. Cause they do have the right to refuse you if you get yeah. on. Cause if you end up being like a poacher or something or another and you can't, you know, yeah, they don't absolutely. want, they don't want something like that on there, you know? So they do do a bit of a screening process and they ask you your background and what you've done and all this other shit. So I was talking to them like, yeah, you know, this and the other, I was in the army, did this thing. And then, you know, got back into hunting recently and all that good stuff. And then they're like, cool, you're going to hunt pronghorn. Like, all right, cool. So I went out and bought a gun because I didn't have a rifle at the time to hunt with. So I, uh, I was funny because I was just telling a buddy, he's like, what do you think about, I signed up for it one year, didn't get drawn. I'm like, man, I don't know how fucking likely it is or what the odds are. But I mean, people, you spend more money applying for a pronghorn tag and, another state than you would if you wanted to do that. So, right. I will say, I definitely don't think it's a terrible opportunity. 
Oh yeah, no, dude, it's 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 awesome. Like what they're doing is pretty fucking sweet. Uh, I will say that, yeah, they you if you get drawn, you're going to go to a premium unit and you're gonna ha- hunt on a premium tag, and the hunt is gonna be fucking badass. And you're gonna you're gonna love every second of it. I will say the only downfall for hunters is they are like if you win, they are super slow on getting the uh, price packages out to you. But if you don't really give a fuck about that, then it's not you're still getting yeah. a, you're still getting a free hunt. In a premium yeah. unit on a premium tag, all paid for. The only thing you have to pay for is getting there. So that is pretty badass. Oh, good deal. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. I liked it a lot. I'm glad I did it, and it was man, yeah, it was fucking super fun. I'll do it That's again. I'll do it again. If they have a if they do a, a winner's season, then that'd be so you won. Fucking old Iowa boy I had to go out there and. Show all Team Utah how it's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they if they weren't wearing flat brim hats, they might have done better. Right. Yeah. Actually, I think they curved them. That's probably their downfall. Oh, they should have they they yeah. flattened them out and put them on backwards. That would they probably would have done better. <laughs> they were good dudes, though. They were all they were super good dudes. That's cool, man. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it's a good time. But uh hey dude, we've been we're going on uh two hours a now. Minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh so holy shit, what the fuck, dude? Hopefully. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, it does. And I just looked down at my the pod track recorder and it said right error on it, so hopefully that wasn't Uh-oh. going forever. So we'll see how that t- hopefully it didn't cut us off or anything like that. I don't know. We'll see. But um, it looks like it's recording still, so we should be good. Well, if we need to do it again, we can. Yeah, dude. But, uh, I don't want to take up your whole, well, cool, your whole entire night either. So if you want to like, you know, close off with anything, feel free. What do you want me to close it with? I don't know. Whatever you want. You want to plug anything? Your, your Instagram, your articles uh, or what? Uh, yeah. Well, well, so some cool shit we're doing. We're getting ready to do a badass giveaway between free range american and born primitive outdoors so i think that's going to go live on the 20th thursday the 20th if that sounds right um yeah thursday the 20th so we're going to give away uh archery country down there they're an archery shop down in austin texas super Mm. tyler one of the owners is super awesome guy um so he's giving away a completely decked out psc fortis 30 uh, that he's going to set up and, and just deck it out and give it away. We, born primitive, we're giving away a full loadout. So our heavy and lightweight jacket, our heavy and lightweight pants. Uh, if you're a female, we have a heavy and lightweight female pant that's coming out on the 18th. So we're giving that away, our base layers, sun shirts, um, basically uh, the, the full kit, right, from born primitive. And then Black Rifle Coffee is giving away I don't even know what they're giving away, but a ton of stuff. So it's kind of like an elk hunting giveaway or a preseason giveaway to to hook people up. So keep an eye on Born Primitive, Archery Country, and Free Range American for that. Oh, no. Tell me it's not working. Oh, you're oh, hey, there? Hey, okay. Yeah, you cut out for like a, a second there. So I think we're good. Oh, okay. Did what part cut out? Oh, just you're at the born primitive. 
Like, you want me to do it over again? Yeah, no, no, you're good. I think, I think we got the majority of it. Yours at go to where to check it out, like where uh, how to apply to it and stuff. Um, yeah, so you can. It's going to be on social media, so it'll be uh, at Born Primitive Outdoors, at Archery Country, and at Free Range dot American, I think, or Free dot Range dot American. So, okay. Yeah, just keep an eye on those channels. That's a, that's a pretty big giveaway. It'll be cool. Fuck yeah, dude. That's awesome. That'll be sick. Well. But yeah, other than that, um, you guys can follow me on social media if you want to see me talking shit. Yeah, fuck yeah. And, and you're, you just, can, uh, you're just Mike Hearn on everything, aren't you? Yep, Mike okay. underscore Hearn. And then um, my articles are all on Free Range American. Fuck so, yeah, dude. Free Range American has a ton of good content, so definitely check that out. Video content. Uh, they got a YouTube channel. So yeah, they they tons really, of good content out there. They really do. I I follow along quite closely. I read a lot of a lot of your guys' articles and shit, and you know keep up with the, that whole crew there too, just because they're just putting out seriously high quality content, and also I guess yeah. you know having some fucking badass coffee. To back it, yep. it doesn't hurt nothing either. Badass so. coffee and, and good content. And then uh, if you want to watch me suffer in the elk woods, that'll be out in August. Oh, nice. So watch me not kill. Uh, I shot one bull through the back straps last year, and then I definitely Oops. killed a bull. I definitely killed a bull the next day and just could not find him. Oh, fuck. And you can watch me pass a perfectly legal bull on the first day of the hunt because he was small. <laughs> and I let my ego, I let my ego talk, and I was yeah. like, "Man, I got a camera guy out here. I don't want the smallest boy I've ever killed to be on camera for Black Rifle Coffee." <laughs> so it's a it's a cool shot. Like you see me in a logging road on my knee, like with my bow up, ready to go. The bull's at sixty five, seventy yards, and he steps out in the logging road, just ever so slightly quartered away. It was perfect. It would have been a cool shot to shoot the bull, but that's um, he was small. And he was small, and my ego got yep. the better of me, so I didn't shoot it. And Hunter, Hunter's egos have saved so many animals' lives. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. that'll be out in that'll be out in August. But dude, super cool to be on. Thanks for having me. We should yeah. definitely come back together after our seasons kick off a little bit, and we'll have tons to talk about. Absolutely, dude. I, yeah, I really appreciate you hopping on so quick and getting this out. This has been a blast. I've been really looking forward to this uh, this podcast for a while now. So you've been on my list of guests to get on for a while. I've just been, you know, waiting to, you know, gather up the cojones to ask you out on a date, and I finally did. Oh, shit. And, I'm glad you did. Yeah, and if you have something coming up that's exciting or something like that and you want to talk about it, let me know, dude. This All right, go. Good fucking All right, time. You just opened Pandora's box. You threatened hey. me with a good time. I'll take it. Let's go, dude. You know. It's a good time. So cool, man. Yeah. All right, Mike. I appreciate you coming on, and hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And uh, you know, we'll catch you on the next one. So thanks a lot again, Mike. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.